Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Up the near side it goes, Achari has it knocked away. Krause brings it into on one, they center, and they score. Ruth to the blue line with Cairo, and it's knocked off of his stick, and Jordan's got to recover it, and the Coyote's going to quickly oh, come on, and they stripped it from him. In it's Malti, shoots, he scores. Over to Barrett Hayton, he shoots it on, oh, it's, there. it's behind him, and oh boy, Braden Shed knocks the net off. Phoenix player was shooting the puck there, but we have a good goal. Coyotes tuck it in, bring it around the goalie, and score. Back to Keller. To the corner, they center, back door. Whoa. Captain available. Mammoth fans, three blues can't find it, and the Coyotes score. Three seconds left in this one. The Coyotes beat the blues tonight by a score of five to nothing. No, God! No, God, please, no, 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 no! Let's get nasty in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. It's a Friday, and uh, nothing nastier than last night's Blues game. 5-0 loss to the Arizona Coyotes. You heard uh, Jamie Rivers on the call last night. That was him coming into the show that, no! I I think that was me on that one there, yep. You Tough think one. it was Michael Scott. It was actually Jamie Rivers. So, not great. No, not great at all. Tell you what is great, though. We're live at Centene Community Ice Center. Jamie, you're playing tonight in the – you're playing for the alumni team against the uh, Wounded Warriors hockey team. And yeah. this place is absolutely buzzing. It's crawling with people out here. It's awesome. We got, uh, we've got booths set up with uh, sampling stations. There's clothes being sold. There's hockey teams everywhere. they got a tournament going on here at the same time. So it's going to be awesome. We, uh, the game starts at 645 here at the Centene Community Ice Center. And the Blues alumni are going to be playing against the uh, the select select Warrior players from different teams and whatnot because there's like four or five teams that are in town to play in this tournament. Yeah, I saw one from North Carolina when yeah. we came in. So it should be fun. It should be a good time. Yeah, last night wasn't a good time at all, Jamie. No, let's for... talk about the game tonight. I think that's a little better, more positive. Yeah, we will. Vibe to it. We will. We got Reed Lowe coming on at some point, former Blue. Did you? Were you guys teammates? Yes. At one point? Yeah, very, at the very end of my first tour duty, Losey was called up and was playing some games. But we definitely had a couple of training camps together. Sure. Played against each other an awful lot. Yeah. You know. I love Reed Lowe. As a human being, Reed Lowe is uh, just one of my favorite people. And I know same for you, Jamie. So Reed Lowe is going to join us. Cam Jansen is going to join us. Cam's playing in tonight's game. Uh, Cam uh, does radio as well, uh, for, former Blue. So, w- yeah, we'll, we'll spend plenty of time on tonight's game, Jamie. Uh, what I want to do. I'd like to spend a little more time. No, nah, I think we should go back to last night. Uh, I noticed that. Why? I noticed that um, during the pregame show last night, Jamie, you, you isolated some things that maybe have not worked for the Blues. Yeah, fixable uh, problems. Yeah, fixable problems. Correct. Was the game plan to then maybe circle back to those items and talk about how they clean things up against the Coyotes? Yeah, that was the plan, Anthony. Yeah. The plan was to highlight things that maybe have not been going uh, swimmingly. Instead, you got more examples of the things that you were talking about in the pregame show. Yeah, so, you know, you used to be a producer. Uh-huh. 
And so when you're building the show, so the pregame, you want to tell a story of what, right. what's to come, you know, what has happened, what you'd like to see. And so in the pregame, I hit the telestrator and I said, uh, let's isolate the first three goals that happened last game against the Buffalo Sabres. Here's where the coverage went awry. Here's what they could do instead. Fully anticipating that uh, we'd have a different look from the team in Arizona. First period was okay. We're fine. Wasn't it, it was fine. Nothing special, nothing horrendous. At least you didn't give up three this time. No. In fact, you scored one, but they called it back because he did bump into the goal. It was a non-issue there. Craig Bruby, anybody watching the game, you could see him be like, no, no, he, he, he hit the goalie's arm. Like, just play on. We know. We know it's no goal. So it was fine. He, the period, he outshot the, uh, the Coyotes 12 to 10 in the first period. You think, okay, not bad. Good road start. And we'll just leave it there. <laughs> now, why don't we talk about the, the two goals you allowed in the second and then the three that you allowed in the third, not to mention the only time that you even sniffed a goal, you needed to bump into the goalie's arm in order to get one. Well, that's not entirely true. Jamie, I'm going to call a, you the carpet That's a disaster. That. Okay, it was a disaster goalie, last night. Anthony, that goalie played very well. That's a, that's, a college, that's a college team playing in a college arena, and you got smoked. Yeah, well, 5 we, Listen, the problem for the Blues is – and I, I'm getting sick of saying this myself. It's puck management and awareness. You don't manage the puck well, you can't win in the, in the National Hockey League. And that's the biggest thing that last night, the first two goals, Justin Falk kind of, uh, you know, hot potato there in the neutral zone. Coyotes pounce on it. They go down two on one. They score a goal. Very little opportunity for Thomas Grice to make a save on the play. Then the next one, you've got Jordan Cairo up at the blue line all by himself. And he decides he's going to do a little, oh, I don't know, pond hockey keep away with three Coyotes players. Well, how'd that end up? Not good. Not good. They poked it away. They, they just muscled past him, went in on a breakaway and scored. What's your goalie supposed to do there? Well, you can make a save. Okay, fine. Maybe he can make a save there. But the bottom line is you're giving up these opportunities. We don't have to. You're overcomplicating the game. And I, I just, in no world that I've ever played in, when you're the last man back, they always say, don't screw around with the puck when you're the last man back. Jordan Cairo happened to be the last man back, and he screwed around with the puck. You cannot stick handle around two or three guys at the NHL level. In a small area like that, they're going to just run over you or poke the puck or do what they did. Just take it from you, take your lunch money, and go is what they're going to do. And it doesn't matter if you're playing the Arizona Coyotes college team, like you alluded to, Anthony, mm -hmm. which I think is very disrespectful. Probably. Uh, um, I stand by it. Okay. Well, either way, it doesn't matter if you're playing them or if you're playing the Avalanche on Saturday, which, by the way, it doesn't get any easier for you. Got the Avs on Saturday and the Winnipeg Jets on Monday. That's your reward for going through a slump right now. You got to manage the puck a lot better. The effort has to be higher. The intensity has to be up there. Craig Berube, uh, you know, not happy with his club last night. In fact, we have some audio that we're going to get to right here is, you know, Craig Berube asked after the game, you know, kind of what happened. And here's what he had to say. Two turnovers in the second period, internet. Okay, that's it. Yep. And then third period, we come out and get scored on the first shift with five veteran players on the ice. I think that's the key right there. Is mm -hmm. it, you know, we can point the finger at Jordan Cairo or some of the younger players because, well, you can't. And Jordan Cairo's not a rookie anymore. He's a young player. Okay? Is he learning? I hope so uh, because what some of the things that happen need to be corrected. But to start the third period, you have five veteran guys on the ice. Arizona wins a faceoff, skates right down, and scores a goal. Like 12 seconds into the period. 
you just went through that against Buffalo. Like, the awareness and the details on the defensive side in that situation have to be there, and they weren't. And, you know, you can complain about the goal all you want. Brayton Chen clearly shoved the net off of its moorings, which is fine. And the referee decided, yeah, it would have been a goal. It would have been. It's really not even up for argument or debate. Yeah. It's not good enough. You're not, play- you're not playing well. You're no. Not play- you're not playing well. This is... Uh, you know, I, and I thought about this, and, and obviously we, uh, we, and by the way, we have Chief coming up at, at 2.15. Yeah, we do have the head coach coming so up at we have 2.15. The head, we have the head coach coming up at 2.15. Anthony's 15. got a lot of questions. Uh, certainly. We saw Army walking around, too. We, uh, <laughs> Chuck Armstrong in the building. We, maybe he's here to watch the game. Maybe. Um, look, whether, whether you think that, you know, it's a coaching issue or not, it, I highly doubt, Jamie, you played the game for a long time. I've never played it at that level. Did some street hockey, scored a couple goals myself in one game. Uh, I was probably ahead of my time. Multi-sport athlete. They didn't know what they had, Jamie. Mm -hmm. Um, Clearly. But you played this game for a long time. I I highly doubt that these players are being coached to make the mistakes that you continue to describe, game after game after game, or loss after loss after loss. So you can replace the head coach if you want. I don't think that's the answer. I no. think that Craig Berube, as we have seen, not only has won a Stanley Cup before, but he has worked with different veteran groups, different young groups. This is a roster construction issue at this point. This is a player issue at this point. Execution, productivity, roster construction. And we can get into it at some point, but we I wouldn't just go back to not bringing back David Perron. I would go back to not bringing back Alex Petrangelo. And the domino effect. The other P. The other P. Not bringing him back and looking now at at, at the the effects that you have had. Paying good, overpaying for good players, allowing the one great player to walk out. You're not going to overpay a great player. I've yet to see it happen. I really have. I've yet to see a team in any sport overpay a great player i think this is right now everybody in that locker room needing to figure it out not necessarily a coaching issue again correct me if i'm wrong i can't imagine that craig Berube is saying you know what guys don't worry about uh stick handling through three guys (laughs) do your thing i highly doubt that and and whoever the next guy would be would would say the same thing it's not a coaching thing. <clears throat> it's not a coaching thing. And, and people I say, well, they always, the question is, has a coach lost the locker room? Okay, in certain instances, like in Vancouver, the Bruce Boudreaux thing that just happened, I don't like the way the Vancouver Canucks handled it personally, but Bruce Boudreaux had lost that room a long time ago. Bruce Boudreaux is a bubbly personality, a very f- a player-friendly coach. Chief isn't. Like, he's not. He got in verbal uh, disputes last night with players, giving it to him. And he's not, like, he's the guy you want leading your team. For me personally, I I look at what he's able to do, what he's done, and what's available out there. So let's say you do say, oh, we need a coaching change. What are you bringing in? Who's your fix? Because Craig Berube is rough around the edges, but he's also able to give information to talented players. He's a combination of... You know, the good cop, bad cop. So what do you bring in, a bad cop? Really? Because you have that. Just take the bark collar off the chief and watch him go. Mm -hmm. You've got the bad cop. 
oh, you want the good cop? Oh, you want, like, Bruce Boudreaux? You want to bring a Mr. Friendly guy in here, Mr. Smiley Face, to deal with this group that's underachieving right now? No. I think you have the coaching staff in place that's fine. This, I said it yesterday, and I'll back it up today. This is a player issue. The players are not giving everything they've got every shift. And if they think they are, they're fooling themselves. And if they're giving everything that they've got, well, they're not doing it in the right way. They're not aware. Nico Mikola, somebody help him out, please. He vacates the front of the net all the time. And last night's another example. Working hard. He really wanted to get to the guy. But that was Letty's guy. And so both defensemen end up on the same guy. Guy all by himself in front of the net again. But I know it's Thomas Grice's fault, right? Should have had the guy standing all by himself. That's my point, is they might be working hard in some ways. But if that's the case, if they are working hard, they're not working smart. They're not using their brains enough. That's a problem with the players. Because the coaches can only take out the iPad so many times and show the players what you're doing, what you're doing, what you're doing. Bench him. Okay, what's your pivot? Mm -hmm. Bench Kairou. Okay, what's your pivot? Who's coming in your lineup to create the offense he can create? And you want to do that against the Avalanche? You want to do that against the Winnipeg Jets? You're in a crap storm here right now. And the only thing that can fix it is the players continuing to work hard and to uh, starting to work smarter. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stolzer. It's the Fastlane on 101 at ESPN. We're live from the Centene Community Ice Center ahead of tonight's alumni game versus the uh, Wounded Warriors, various teams of the Wounded Warriors. Just call them the Warriors. Yeah, the Warriors. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun night at Centene. We are going to talk to Coach Craig Berube next. It's our weekly chat with Chief. And, uh, you know, uh, Jamie, we'll uh, we'll ask him some questions that I'm sure he knows he knows are coming at this point. But... Chief has always been honest and direct with us, and I, I expect uh, he'll he'll do that again next. So, yep. Chief, next on 101 ESPN. Oh, no! We suck again! We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Time now for Chatting with the Chief with a coach of your St. Louis Blues, Craig Berube. Brought to you by Fisher Window and Door, your Marvin dealer with showrooms in Brentwood and East Alton, Illinois. Live from Centene Community Ice Center, it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter, and as we do each and every week in the Fast Lane, we have an opportunity right now to head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. We're joined by the coach of your St. Louis Blues, Craig Ruby. Chief, how are you doing today? Yeah, guys, how are you? Good. Hey, Chief, uh, you know, obviously a uh, tough stretch here where you, you guys have dropped three straight last night, you know, 5-0 to, to the Coyotes. Uh, watching your, you know your your uh, your press your your presser afterwards and stuff. Obviously, there's a lot of frustration. What what's the what's the message right now to to your players or what the what what do you feel like the message should be uh, with the guys struggling? Well, we need to start. You know, the last three games for me were emotional. Less game. We don't have enough emotion, and our, our starts have not been very good either. Uh, even last night, I didn't think our start was very good in the game. I know we came out of it zero zero. But then we give up two fairly quick ones in the second period. So, you know, we just we seem like we're not just going through emotions, but it's not enough emotion involved in the game and not enough good team play. That's 
that's the message. Like, if we don't pull together as a team and play as a team and have emotion in the game, we're not going to go very far. Chief, at times when I'm watching the guys play, I feel like, you know, look, there's a lot of talented players. There's no doubt. But I feel like if they simplified their game a little bit more and became a little more predictable for each other, that they might be able to crawl out of this a little quicker. I don't know if you feel the same way, but well, at times I feel like guys are trying play, to do too much. Yeah. No, 100%. That's a team play that, you know, we're talking about is doing the right things for the team and making the simple plays for the team and playing, playing you know, the, the North brand of hockey that we want to play and that when we do play, we're pretty successful. But, you know, right now it's not enough team play. Coach, when I'm watching too, uh, look, the effort is there at times and certain guys are giving it the effort, but maybe the, the, the execution isn't there how, how hard is that to basically dial some guys back into executing and being more aware and then trying to dial other guys up at the same time yeah it could be tricky i mean for sure i think you know the execution part of it sometimes is, you know could be a number of different things and situations in the game you know but we definitely do need to execute better for sure uh that's part of the part of the issue too is the execution is not great and sometimes that could be different things. You know, I don't think it's always just one thing. You know, execution for me is, you know, you're gripping your stick too tight or you really, you know, again, I'll go back to being simple. You know, a lot of times execution isn't good because you're just not making a simple play. Coach Craig Ruby joining us right now on the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Coach, have was there a time at any point this season that you did feel like, it was it was a team effort you referenced a couple of times down. Jamie and I certainly agree that the team aspect is not there right now. Was there a time at any point this season where you felt like you had a, a full team effort, and how do you get back to that? Yeah, no, there's been a, a number of times where we had, you know, a real good team effort, you know. Just even going back recently to this uh, road trip we were on where we had a real good road trip. I mean, that was some good team effort with a lot of injured guys on the lineup. And, you know, that just goes to show you that, you know, you play as a team and you do, like, the simple things and, and do the right things. Uh, even with injuries, you can win hockey games. So, you know, it's just a matter of keep coaching them and keep, uh, you know, keep on them about it. Our leadership has to take over here and, and, and lead a lot better than they are right now. Coach, you talk about injuries, and uh, although that's not something to use as an excuse, it's just a fact, though. You have a lot of bodies that are either in the lineup or out of the lineup, different line combinations, different guys from the minors coming up, and, and you're still missing a couple of key guys to your lineup. You know, how tricky is that as a coaching staff, just continuously trying to find the right combinations and the right chemistry? Yeah, no, it's tricky. It's hard at times for sure. But again, uh, you know, keep trying. You just keep trying things, and you know, hopefully they click and try different combinations. Uh, a lot of these guys have played with each other before, though. So I get there's guys getting called up and new guys in and out, in and out of the lineup. But you know, it's not like you know they haven't played with guys before or been around. So again, I don't. I'll never use, you know, injuries as an excuse. We got to do what we got to do with what we got. Coach, at Colorado Saturday, so tomorrow, and then at Winnipeg on Monday, and then you get you guys get a, a bit of a break. 
Uh, I know that you've highlighted a couple of things. Is there anything else when it comes to the, these final two two road games before you, you hit this break that you want to see out of your team that you know might uh, lead to you guys building some momentum? Well, be again, I, I'll bring it up again. We, we need to go into Colorado game and be emotionally engaged in the game right away from start to finish and cheer each other on and, and, and uh, help each other out out there and play a real strong team game. That's what I'm looking for. Chief, what do you do if you got guys who aren't ready to do that? You know, like, because it's easy to say, like, not easy, but it, you, what you're saying is very simple and to the point. And as a player, I oh, hear what you're saying, yeah. and I'm yeah. like, I get it. But what about the guys who don't get it? Well, you got to just you keep coaching them. That's our job, you know, keep coaching them. And, you know, if they don't want to do the job, then, you know, pull back their ice time. If, you know, they might get it then, whatever. You know, but we just try to keep coaching them and, and try to get the best we can out of each player. You got uh, Alex Androv brought up uh, today from Springfield. He's got some fire in his belly, that kid. He, he, he gets after pretty good. Josh Levo last night got himself into a healthy little tilt. Do you start leaning on some of these young kids with some of that energy as well? Yeah, and I think we are. I mean, you see, like, we use Tucker. Uh, neighbors have been playing and getting involved. Brownie's back in there. You know, we're, we're using these guys. So now Nicky's coming up again. We used Nicky before, so he'll be back in the lineup tomorrow. Uh, just another little update on the injuries, Coach. Uh, Bortuzzo off the IR. Uh, will we see him on Saturday, or is he in the plans for Monday? And then also uh, Robert Thomas, tough one last night. Obviously uh, an awkward injury, but we hope he's okay. Hopefully he's not he's not in too rough shape. Uh, yeah, Bortuzzo is uh, ready to go, so we'll see if he, you know, we might, he might be a player Saturday. Uh, and then also uh, Thomas is day-to-day right now. All right, Coach, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, not easy, certainly, to hop on uh, with us, you know, in the midst of a losing streak. But we do, we do appreciate it, and thank you. And hopefully you guys get back on the right track. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. Take care. You too. Thank you. That's Coach Greg Ruby here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. I can't, I can't even imagine, honestly. Like people, like Blues fans and our listeners, like that's not easy. Honestly, if you have, uh, if you're a boss somewhere, you're at your job right now, and things aren't going exactly the way you want them to go, you don't have to talk to the media about it. You don't have to be on the airwaves in St. Louis and be asked why your employees aren't doing the job the right way. Why is the company failing? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I got mad respect for Chief. I've said it a thousand times that he's always accommodating with uh, his availability, even in the middle of games when you got to talk to him for TV purposes. He doesn't give you the dirty eyeball. Like, it's commendable, man. I mean, to me, it just shows exactly what kind of a guy he is. And I guess that at my core... It pisses me off that some of the guys in that locker room aren't as don't have as much character as he does mm-hmm. right now. Anyways, or they're not displaying it. Yeah, it gets to me. It it, it does. It pisses me off. Yeah, because he could have came on, gave us gave us one word answers, and then you know, and or, that and that would be it. And we we would have or or goat just completely ghost us. He well, has he never just told said, us. We no. have plane troubles. I don't know. I get bad reception. Yeah. Can't, can't do it. He has never he has never told us no. And but, it's not but like that's a character thing, Anthony. I know. I'm with it's you. It's like stepping up to the mic in front of media afterwards when you know you don't want to do it. Like right. go back to 2019. Do you think Petro and O'Reilly and all those guys that year when things were crappy? Do you think they wanted to get in front of the media every single day? No. No, they didn't, but they did. 
and that group went on to do something very special. Well, it's taking ownership, too. It's taking ownership in what's what's going on. And this isn't the first time that the Blues have been struggling, by the way. This isn't the first time that we've had them on when the Blues have had No, have but had this issue. one here feels a little bit like more of a gut punch. Type yeah, thing. It's, it's frustrating. But a couple of things that I thought that were interesting. You know, he, he mentioned, Chief mentioned a couple of times, not enough emotion, emotionally not ready. And I figured that he would he would go back to the same things when I asked him that one question about what do you want to see these next two games. But that's also that also speaks to the consistency that he is looking for out of his players. He he mentioned a couple of th- a couple of things three or four times. Again, not not enough uh, emotion, especially earlier in games. Emotionally not ready, not playing like a team. I mean, if he said it once, he said it three or four times. That's what he's looking. He's looking for his team to play like a team. And I can't help but go back to the independent contractor standpoint or statement, I should say, uh, from, you know, Doug Armstrong back in 2019. Yeah. When, and I, I think that this happens and it's not a situation where players and Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, you played the game. I don't think it's a situation where players say, I only care about myself. I only care about my stats. But I think when a team is struggling, you do have the tendency to kind of say, okay, well, uh, what, am, what am I doing wrong? i got to make a play. i got to do this. And you're not thinking about your role as it impacts a team. When you're winning and, you're, and, and everybody's doing what they should be doing, everybody feels good, it's easier to, to dive in front, of, in front of pucks because you feel like you're part of something that is bigger. When you're losing, I think it's human nature to be like, all right, well, I, I, I absolutely need to make a play. I have to do more. I have to go on the ice, and I have to do something that I have to be the one that, that if you have pride and you're competitive, I have to be the one that, that saves us yeah, here. If. And then you are the one that is only there, contributing to, to more failures. If you have pride. that's Well, that's true, too. That's true, too. So there's point, a couple things. Point taken, my man. There's a couple things I want to dive into here. I want to keep this going. Let's do it. We go back from the break here. I want to dive into a couple things that Chief said. Uh, and a word you brought up as well that is so puzzling to me through this whole thing. So let's carry that over here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. need to go into Colorado and be emotionally engaged in the game start to finish and cheer each other on and uh, help each other out up there and play a real strong team game. That's what I'm looking for. That's head coach Craig Ruby who, Ruby, who just joined us in the fast lane. We're live from Centene Community Ice Center. And, uh, Jamie, we, we got done talking with Chief, and then you and I were having a conversation, and it kind of sparked something that you wanted to carry over into this segment. And specifically, you had mentioned a, a word that I had said that really stuck out to you. Yeah. So before we get into that, um, which we will, because I've got four different words written over here. But I go back to, and it sparked something for me um, as a coach when I was coaching. I used to say, if you're going to play for me, you have to have the three E's. And players would look at you and be like, what the hell is he talking about? Effort, energy, execution. That's it. That's all I need from you. You need to work your ass off, you need to execute properly, and you need to have that energy. You can't be dragging. And so when I watch the Blues right now, what do they have of those the three E's? They're suffering in those three departments, whether it's effort, 
whether it's the energy or it's the execution. I think we can all right now, and even our listeners, think back to at least a moment or two in last night's game and other games where you're like, yeah, there was no effort there or there was a lack of execution there, and there's certainly no energy there. They're not playing with the three E's. Mm -hmm. So another word that you brought up, the Chief brought up, it's another E word, emotion. I don't know how you play a pro sport um, and not have emotion. You know what? Let me retract that. I don't know how you play a sport. It doesn't even have to be pro sport. Anthony, when you play softball, okay, do you not play with some emotion? You're damn right I do. But you do, even if it's just having fun. Yeah. There's an emotion. We had the home the home run derby. We were all playing with emotion. There's something. There's there's something there, to just be flatlined. Mm-hmm. I worry about players like that. I worry because if they can't, if you're not enjoying what you're doing right now, there's a problem. If you're not frustrated with what's going on, there's a problem. Like, you need to have some kind of an emotion at this point. It's like that the meme where the guy's poking that thing with do the stick. Something. Do something. Yeah. And it's not there's nothing, no mm-hmm. reaction. That's what I'm seeing out of some of the blues players. And you know, the text line's like, Oh, we want names. I could give you everybody's name. Yeah, look at the roster. How about this? Pull up the blues roster. There's your names. But it, it, the problem with it is it's not like one or two or three players. It's yeah. one or two or three players at different times. So if Braden Shen goes out and has uh, seven or eight great shifts in a row, maybe the ninth shift he's missing one of these E's. Maybe he's missing the emotion. Maybe he's missing the execution. Then you flip-flop and maybe it's Robert Thomas. Maybe it's Jordan Cairo. So I'm not going to sit here and say, that guy, that guy is the problem. Everybody blame this guy. Because I think the blame should be spread amongst the entire group. So when I look at that, that word emotion, it drives me crazy that at times we're not seeing that from every player. Then I look at the word pride. You got to the NHL or you got to a high level because you're a very proud individual because you didn't want to take the ice and look like a bag of hammers out there. You wanted to be a good player. You took pride in scoring goals. You took pride in playing good defense. You took pride in stopping the puck if you're the goalie. You played with a level of pride to your game. I'm missing that in some of the players. Again, all at different times. Then I look, we have the word effort. We have that. We already talked about that. And jam. Not like peanut butter and jam, Anthony. I do like that. I do too. And I would like some of that right now. Be fine. But jam meaning doing whatever it takes for the ultimate success of the team. And that's something that you need from your players. And I I remember playing on different teams and having guys that had no jam. And the way I used to handle it, Anthony, um, and love it or hate it, it is what it is, is challenge those guys in practice every day. I would get in their face and make their life miserable in practice. Do you want to know why? I wanted to see how far I had to push them to get the jam. At what point does the dog finally bite you? Right? Mm -hmm. You got to get that out of guys sometimes. And I'm not saying it's a Bortuzzo-Sanford thing where you go grab a guy and beat the wheels off him. No, that's not what I'm talking about. But you got to have jam if you're going to play a physical sport like hockey or, or any sport. You have to have jam. Like baseball players, other people say, oh, it's not physical. Whatever. You, you're playing 140 games. At some point, Paul Goldschmidt had jam to go up there and play and swing the bat, even though he was probably injured at some point. Mm-hmm. So for me, to look at times and not have players that are willing to block a shot, are willing to just chip it off the glass because that's the right play to make, are willing to take a short shift because – the matchups are, you know, 
lopsided or change hard. Go to the bench with a full effort and don't stop your feet 20 feet from the bench. Taking a hit that you know is going to hurt, that's playing with jam. Getting to the other team's front of the net and taking a beating or whatever it is, that's jam. Clearing out the front of your net, jam. Like, play with some balls, I guess, is another word for it. And I'm not seeing that on a consistent basis from this team. And again, it's not one or two or three individuals. It rotates. It moves around the team. It jumps. And until you get all of these things, until you get some of this taken care of, like you're not going to have the success that you want. And what ticks me off about it is you have a coaching staff all three got four guys with Craig McTavish. All four of those guys played with jam. Didn't like playing against any of them. That tells a story. And they coach the same way. They expect you to bring that to the rink every single day. And right now, the team is not. So when we get that, that, that little crowd of people that want to fire the coaching staff or move on from the coaching staff, it's the players. Because let's just say hypothetically, Scotty Bowman, Blues Hall of Famer, you just had him in town. The greatest coach in NHL history. If he stood behind that bench right now, I don't know if the results change. What's Scotty Bowman going to do that Craig Berube is not doing? This is a player issue. And the players need to hold each other accountable. The leadership group and the young guys. If I'm a leader on that team, I'm grabbing the young guys and having a little meeting. I'm saying, listen, you need to make our lives miserable. Honestly, you need to push us in practice. You need to be up in our grill. In pre- you need to be pushing for more ice time yeah. because the harder you play is going to force us to play harder, too, to stay ahead of you in well, the pecking order. I mean, Jamie, I would, I, would think, I would think that would come in. I mean, if you're a young player, I, I know that this is a team game, but the reality is you're also trying to up your ice time, right? So when do you smell blood in the water? You have to right away. If it's a young player, like young player, like these these veteran dudes, these guys are fat, dumb, and happy right now. I'm going to take their effing job. I remember getting into it with Trent Yanni when he was here because I was here to take his job. I didn't know Yanni played hockey. Yeah, Trent Yanni, not not that guy, oh. different guy. Um, I believe he's an assistant coach now at the LA Kings. Yans is a good guy, good teammate, but he knew like I was called up. I was there to take his job, and I I I mean I put the pedal to the metal every single day, not because I wanted to take his job but I wanted to earn my job. Right. And unfortunately, he was the guy that was in my way. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is. That's the nature of the beast. Right. So if you, have, if you have veteran players that are being pushed out of their spots by young guys, ultimately, you have success. That's a great point. Because what, what happens then is either that young guy who's pushing hard gets that job or the veteran says, I don't That's think right. so. Either way, you're, you're moving the needle. Ma- exactly, yeah. 100%. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. At some point, we're going to be joined by a former Blues uh, player forward. I, I keep I always go with the defense with you, Jamie. So then when I say you former Blues, it's just de- – Well, yeah, that's another story. Jamie Rivers, at some point, we will be joined by Reed Lowe, former Blues forward. I'm Anthony Stolzer. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. We have What's Trending coming up next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out what's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now, brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. 
Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers, I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Uh, guys, Lamar Jackson, of course, with the whole contract negotiation, him being injured, we really didn't have a chance to discuss that. And, Anthony, I know you wanted to somewhat dive into the whole situation with Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Marsh, you know, we – We'll obviously get to a lot of predictions and thoughts on the on Championship Sunday, but yeah, we haven't we, we haven't really talked about the Lamar Jackson uh, spot. And by the way, ten minutes from now, we'll have Reed Lowe on for, live from Centene Community Ice Center. But the the Ravens are saying all the kind of quote unquote right things. So you got NFL Network seeing rap reports that the Ravens haven't changed their stance on bringing back Lamar Jackson on a long term deal. Ravens GM Eric DeCosta told reporters the team is excited to start up negotiations again with with Lamar. John Harbaugh said in the press conference that, you know, the team 100%, 200% intends to keep Lamar Jackson. That, that was his quote. I don't think that this is a Ravens thing. You know, we, we keep hearing, well, why don't the Ravens just give him what he wants? Well, it sounds like he, he wants the Deshaun Watson contract, which is fully guaranteed. And maybe at some point the Ravens just give in. But it doesn't seem like paying Lamar is the, is the issue. It sounds like Lamar Jackson has set his market – higher than maybe what the Ravens expected. Yeah. And that's that's where the friction comes in. Here's my question to you guys, though. Uh-huh. If you get the sense that Lamar Jackson is going to be too difficult to sign, do you deal him this offseason to a QB needed, needy team in the top 10, knowing that you could probably charge three first-round first picks? That's what Cleveland had to give up to get Watson. Get three first-round picks over the next three years. One of those picks, if it is a quarterback-needy team, will come in the top ten. Let's say it's Atlanta. They keep getting brought up. You trade Lamar Jackson to Atlanta. You've got three first – you've got the the Falcons' next three first-round picks, including number eight this year. Now you have all the ammo. You got the, their first round pick. You've got your own first round pick. You've got multi. You've got first round picks coming up the next two years. You get all that ammo. You go up to number one. Select your next quarterback. Hmm. Do you strike while the iron's hot? As opposed to, I know he's an MVP and all that, but you, you have to have a sense of whether or not that guy is fully committed to your organization, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I trade him. Do you strike while the iron's hot? No, I say, trade him. Let's go. I, I look at uh, never mind Atlanta. Uh, I, I look at uh, the Houston Texans for one thing. Uh, I look at uh, look at anybody, even the Chicago Bears, for that matter. I know they've got Justin Fields, but you, you give them a phone call. Mm-hmm. I look at the New York Jets for sure. And Lamar Jackson does not have a no-trade clause in his contract, so you can move him wherever, and you know you're going to get one of the be- one of the, the stud yeah, QBs. he doesn't even have a contract. And you plug in one of those stud QBs with a good team, I think you're set. The biggest problem that some of these young, talented quarterbacks have is they end up going to crap teams, and they take a beating. And then they never improve their confidence gets shot, and they never were able to really be that star in the NFL because they went to a crap team. Now the really special quarterbacks power through it, and you you know within four or five years, you've got yourself a Mahomes or a Joe Burrow or a Herbert. or like Now Herbert's a bad example because him and Burrow were great right away. But look at how many quarterbacks have been swallowed up by the NFL because they went to crap teams. Yeah. You plug in at one of those little stud quarterbacks at, in the Baltimore Ravens team, protected like that, and mm-hmm. then like you got other first-round picks coming to you also? I'd do it in a heartbeat. I would too. 
I, look, I know he won an MVP. I love Lamar Jackson. He won an MVP. I, I don't think that he has always had the best passing game in Baltimore. You know, like Greg Roman. They've had a good ground game, but they just they, they haven't been able to figure it out. He's he's never put Lamar Jackson under center. He's always got him in the shotgun. Like he lim he to me has limited Lamar Jackson. Now, he has also been banged up the next two years. I've often talked about this in reference to the Cardinals. Can you can you eliminate questions in the offseason? Sometimes it's not about just signing guys, just signing the best free agents, just in, just filling holes. Can you also eliminate questions with the, with our Cardinals here? They, they didn't outside of the catcher position. You didn't eliminate any any questions. You didn't eliminate the need for uh, the, the question about whether or not your outfield is set. You didn't eliminate the question about whether or not you've got uh, you know the the pitching staff that's going to take you beyond the first round. Yeah. Maybe eliminate the question. Can Lamar Jackson stay healthy? Will he sign a long-term deal with us? What does he want? Well, you trade him, you eliminate all that. I just don't think giving him the Deshaun Watson contract is a solution. I don't think giving Deshaun that contract was a good play. I don't. I don't think Cleveland doing what they did. Uh, never mind signing him. I'm not getting into the weeds on the whole Deshaun Watson, his personal life or whatever. I'm looking at it from a football standpoint and from a business standpoint. What did Deshaun Watson ever truly do to deserve that contract? Won a playoff game? Yeah. Good for him, Anthony. <laughs> you know, what's it? Taylor Heineke won a freaking playoff game, too. Where was his $230 million? He didn't win a playoff game. No, he, he did. No. He absolutely won He lost to Tom Brady. He lost to Tom Brady, your guy. Okay, well, there's got to be some crappy quarterback <laughs> that's won a damn playoff game. <laughs> Trent Dilfer play. won a Super Bowl. There you go. Joe Flacco <laughs> won a Super Bowl. With one of the greatest defenses ever. But my Shh. point is, <laughs> what my point is, is that Deshaun Watson cannot be used as the measuring stick. Mm -hmm. Quite honestly, if I'm teams, I'm looking at as the contract you don't duplicate. Well, I think that's the problem. I think what you just said, Jamie, is why the Ravens haven't been successful yet signing Lamar Jackson. I can't imagine that they they have hesitated to pay him franchise quarterback money. I I, I just well, refuse. They haven't. They haven't I given him Deshaun. To exactly. I'd be like, hey, Lamar, that's the why issue. don't you forget the Deshaun Watson deal even exists? Right. They don't. They don't want to pay. No, no team does. Cleveland's like, uh, okay, and you went rogue. And now that is the if if that is the kind of the measuring stick in which all quarterback contracts are going to be drawn up from here on out, that's an issue. The three teams, there's three teams playing right now in the that that will play on Sunday that have not paid the quarterback. There's a reason for that. Well, they're paying them, Anthony. Otherwise, it'd be illegal. Sorry, they're not paying them franchise quarterback money. Okay. Patrick Mahomes is the only guy. Now, granted, the 49ers, you know, they've, they've got a little money going out to Jimmy Garoppolo, but br not not Patrick Mahomes' money, not Josh yeah, Allen' not money. They're paying Brock Purdy anything. Exactly. So that's counterbalanced. The Bengals aren't playing Joe, paying Joe Burrow. The Eagles aren't paying uh, Jalen Hurts. And the 49ers aren't, aren't paying Purdy. And because of that, they're they able to have better be rosters. Him at all. <laughs> he's on a, a walk-on. He might just be playing for free. He's a walk-on. All right, it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. That's what's trending. We do have the championship Sunday uh, bash coming up on, on Sunday. Helen Fitzgerald's where the 101 ESPN team is going to be. We're going to have, uh, you know, giveaways. We're going to have prizes. We're going to have all sorts of things to uh, to, to give away and stuff at, at Helen Fitzgerald, plus a live broadcast that starts at 11 a.m. So that's, uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. We're also going to be joined by our guy Reed Lowe 
coming up. Sweet and low. Lowe's good. Lowe's going to come over here, I think, in the next five minutes or so. We'll talk to him. Not only big about barrel chest. Yeah. On Lowe's, big grizzly bear. He's a good dude. He's so an amazing dude. We'll talk to Reed not only about tonight's game, but we'll also talk to him about That's some of his observations yeah. on this. Lowe's not afraid breeze. to spit truth. No, he's not. So Reed Lowe next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Uh, before I did radio with Jamie Rivers, a guy that I did several shows with, his former Blues forward, Reed Lowe, who's one of my favorite people ever, man. Reed Lowe joins us right now at Centene Community Ice Center. Jamie and Reed are going to be playing in the alumni game tonight uh, against the Wounded Warriors, and this is going to be a fun night. But, Reed, it's just good to see you, man. I love the fact that you got the – you're, you got the drink ready to go. I, oh. You're not messing around. I was just telling Ribs, I was just telling ribs that uh, uh, I got all my work done at noon today. I was out here at about 11.30 and cracked a beer. I had actually an 11 o'clock phone call that warranted a beer at, at 11.30. <laughs> so I'm going to go over after I get done this. I'm going to check in the hotel. I might even take a little 30-minute dirt nap and uh, get after it. And get ready to go. Yeah. Deal pre-game it. nap. Oh, yeah. Lozy today. I'll find Losey at the far blue line tonight. Yes, you will. <laughs> Saucing the puck to him. The only difference is like, me and Soupy are the same that way, but I'll eventually get back. Soupy won't. <laughs> He'll just stand there on a stick, lean on it like Ken Dryden. Yeah. <laughs> Soupy, uh, Jim Campbell, for those who don't know Soupy, uh, he'll come up to me when we're on the ice together, and he just goes, uh, you know, uh, far blue line. Far blue line. <laughs> and he knows I'll find him at the far blue line, and he's like, that just wants to go in, break away, and Soupy ho- doesn't hold back. At He'll all. go like bar down. Nice. He doesn't care. <laughs> He's like, it's a charity game. I don't care. We don't care. I'm, I don't care. I'm yeah. here to score goals. Yeah, that's st- what I do. So, Reed, do you, do you stay in shape a lot for these things? Rounds of shape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I I don't skate a lot, like fully dressed in hockey equipment. It's I just I don't love it. Yeah. Um, I love being on the ice, coaching kids. I help out with the junior blues, and I do private lessons in the morning, and uh, you know, work with my kids' teams and stuff like that, sure. or friends or whatever. Uh, but Getting on the ice, I limit it just to this kind of stuff. Every once in a while, if I'm not doing nothing, our Blues alumni skate out here on Wednesdays at 420. Um, so I might come out and hang out and do that. But, yeah, I, I really, you know, I don't, I don't I don't, love playing hockey anymore. Yeah. Losey can shake and bake, though. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> he gets out there. And, you know, because everybody obviously, Blues fans remember Losey for beating guys' faces. In, Absolutely. Okay? Which is great. But, you know, you, you're not doing that, obviously, no. post-career. Yeah. But Losey, uh, he comes out, shake and bake. He'll toe drag, you know, backhand, forehand, top <laughs> shelf. I, listen, I just never got a chance to show what I had to do. Joel Quinville, I was like, I remember I was in my third year. It's got to get a couple goals, a couple assists for about halfway through the season. I'm averaging about six minutes a game. And I'm like, hey, Joel, when I was off, I'm like, you know, I really have been working hard in the gym after, like, staying in shape. I was like thinking maybe, and I feel like I'm playing good. Maybe we could just see if I got a couple more minutes on the ice, see what maybe I could do. He's like, Probably not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> he said, no offense, but you're the toughest guy on the team, and uh, I need you when I need you. And so I'll try and get you out there, but let me talk to Larry, see if we can't get you a raise next year. Wow. So I got a raise at least. Yeah, yeah that's good at least. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was good like that. I remember, uh, I forget what year it was for me, maybe year three or year four. 
I, they used to, we used to have games played, bonuses. And uh, it was coming down to the last road trip of the year. And I needed two out of the three games, but we were completely healthy. And I'm like, oh, crap. Like, and it was like, I think it was like 25 yeah, grand. It's, you know? mm-hmm. Like, it was a yeah. nice, it's a nice chunk, right? Absolutely. To play two games. Yeah. And so uh, I got in the one game, then I got scratched. And oh, he did that on purpose. Probably. He did that on <laughs> Probably. purpose. Probably. He was going into that trip saying you're getting two and a three, but he wanted to make you sweat the last <laughs> one. I, I, and I don't know. I, it's maybe. I don't know if he knew or not at the time about the bonus, but then I know that before the last game, a bunch of the older guys oh, yeah. grabbed him and were like, hey. And then Bergey, Mark Bergevin was a great dude. He, we went out for the morning skate, and then skate was over, and I – I still wasn't sure at that point. Like, you're kind of trying to avoid the coach. Because if he doesn't talk to you, it means you're in the lineup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, where is he? Like, you're avoiding the coach like the plague, yeah. basically. <laughs> and then I watch Bergey, who's doing nothing, really. He goes down, hits the ice. I'm like, what the heck? So then he calls a trainer out onto the ice, and, you know, Ray grabs him, and Bergey skates off the ice. And then Quinville comes up and says, well, you're in tonight for sure. I go off the ice. Bergey wasn't hurt. <laughs> Bergey, f- he faked an injury Do you, I mean, on purpose and said, you know, my groin, I just don't feel comfortable, you know, whatever. And, and so. Do you guys, do you guys, sure. do you guys typically like know when there's a, a roster bonus or something like that toward the end of the season? Do you guys, do you guys typically know? Back then. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Plus it's minus. A little, it's, a, it's a little different, right? Like I think the minimum league salary is like eight seventy five or something like right now. Uh, it seven was, it was it's seven fifty. It yeah. was it was two fifty when I played, and when you forgot, yeah, it was one. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like anytime we could get a little bit more, yeah. like whatever we could do to to try and do that. I remember my set my yeah, 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 my third entry le- or my first entry level contract, and then I signed a, a three year one way, and then my second three year one way. Uh, we tried to get penalty minute bonuses in there and <laughs> the blues and uh, my agent brad divine agreed on some penalty minute bonuses the and they were they, they were they were pretty lofty too and so yeah. was the dollars and uh went right to the nhl immediately <laughs> we don't need a, we don't need the only player in nhl history with uh, 250 plus penalty minute games <laughs> incentivized with penalty minutes yeah so, that's probably okay. a smart idea you bring that up our text line right away obviously they know who you are uh, said, how did Reed Lowe rack up 57 penalty minutes in one game? Well, I got... Did he kill someone? <laughs> nope. <laughs> it was in Chicago, or not Chicago, it was in Calgary, and Bob Bootner suckered uh, Dougie Wade, and that was when Dougie, he tore his pelvis bone right off the muscle. And so Joel Quinville... Uh, put me and Bryce Salvador, Tyson Nash, Jamal Mayers, and ha- Alexander Havanoff of all people out there, and what, they had with a they had like all, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt, dude. He would shriek like cigarettes in the middle of the second period. I'm like, dude, go have a dart at the intermission. Because I was the grocery stick, I stopped the forwards from running into the D, right? Nice. So he'd get over to me. I'm like. Did you literally just have that right now? Were you smoking on the bench? Don't worry about it. Uh, but they put him out there, and then they started out. Bob Hartley was the coach in Calgary, and they oh put boy. out, like, five, like, best players. And I looked back, and I said, really? And my eyes were right. He's like, no, I better change it up. This guy's a Looney Tune. So <laughs> I went, and I had fought Craig Berube in the first period, and, and I'll say this because I feel like I should have the record, but I 100% instigated that fight. Craig was on his way out, and I instigated the fight. They didn't give me an instigator, and uh, but if they did, that would have been an extra 12 minutes. <laughs> That's important for down the line in the story. <laughs> so then we're on the ice, and we skate into the corner, and I grab Bobby Booner, and I just start beating his butt, and then all these other guys start coming in, and we have a brawl, and then I fought uh, Rob. Robin Regeer in the same shift, 
And so the next thing you know, I had three fighting majors. I got three game misconduct penalties, which was 10 minutes each. I had a 10-minute misconduct for instigating, and I had a two-minute instigator penalty. Damn. So if I had 57 I minutes, dollars worth yeah, did. I, I had 57 minutes, but the record's 67 minutes. So if I would have got that instigator penalty, that would have given me 69. Uh, I have the I record. So as far now. as I'm concerned, I got the record. What was it like fighting <laughs> Chief? Uh, you know, like I said, um, it wasn't much of a fight. We kind of grappled in the corner. I hit him with a few, and then he, we kind of just fell to the ice. Yeah. It, it, he was in like, okay, I'm trying to earn a few extra bucks before I go out. I don't need to be fighting yeah. young kids like that are all full of – you know what, and vinegar. Piddle and vinegar. But, that's, yeah. but, okay, so let's isolate that for a second because that, I mean, I think that's an important detail here is guys that play that role, your role. Like you got the young, hungry lion that's mm-hmm. coming up, and you've got the guys who have been there doing it their career. And it's fine as you're going, middle of career, even towards like a little bit on the backside. But then when you're getting towards the end of your career, like imagine these guys, and Lozzie, I'll let you speak about this um, for yourself. But if we isolate a guy like Chief, Chief has the most fights, the most number of fights in NHL history. So imagine him, you know, on a nightly basis. He's got a young lion that wants to rip his head off, and he's got to, he's got to oblige. So fast forward to, not this point, maybe, you know, but with you, Lozy, in your career, what was it like? Towards the end of the career, and you got these young guys, and you're like, oh, Really? Well, I didn't love fighting to begin with. Um, it was just that or you don't get to go to the next level. Um, and then once I was in junior and I did it a couple times and I was actually really good at it and I wasn't getting beat up. I was just handing beatings out all the way through juniors. And then I had more success in the minor leagues. And then I had, you know, pretty good success, you know, other than George LaRock in the NHL. Um, you know, it was uh, it was something that I was I did because – I wasn't really popular growing up as a kid. And when I got into junior and I, I started to protect my teammates, I started to kind of find some friends. And so the really, it was a, for me, it was like knowing that my teammates loved that I would go out there and do that without even thinking twice about it. Um, that was the reason why I loved to get, be the enforcer. Obviously I would do anything to make the NHL cause that was my dream. And so if this is all there is for me yeah. and I'm willing to sign on the dotted line for it. Um, so there was that, but as I started to get older and those young guys in the binary started my last year, I spent in Norfolk, Virginia and that every young kid that was coming out of junior was, was chasing me around the ice. Too. And I was like, you know, we had McGrattons and those kinds of guys yeah. in that league at that time. And Cam Jansen's and, and that era of guys as I was on my way out and I was just like, I'm done. And that's, I played 10 years pro and I'm like I'm not coming back to do this again like I'm not going to go play in the minor leagues on a third or fourth line and fight like this like I want to eat soup with a spoon when I'm 45 (laughs) that's not going to happen if I keep this up so you know for me it was it was just I, I knew it was my time I made the NHL and then we had the lockout and kind of changed the game and I knew that my time was done and so I was cool with what I got and I was ready to get out in the real world and do whatever I was going to do. Well, Reed, you had mentioned before that, you know, you, you don't necessarily uh, love hockey like you used to. Is that part of it? Just kind of your role and how that, how your career kind of developed? Um, either that or just lazy. <laughs> 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 I, I hear I hear hockey's kind of a tough sport, so it like, makes sense. It takes, it takes a lot of effort, man. It's amazing. They, they want start. you in shape Dude. and all these things. Yeah. I have to stay in shape. I got to get up at six. Come on. JV, no. sorry about not being popular. I don't know one person that, that has met you that doesn't love you. So it's, it's funny. Like, you know what you're saying? Well, well okay, Jamie, there's always one. There's he always loves one. me. He loves to have you in the room so he can absolutely rip me. And I think I laugh harder than anybody else does. It's the best. Lozy is one of the best guys ever. He's such a good sport. And, yes, I tee off on Lozy so on much a fun. regular basis. 
Uh, but no, he's got a big heart. Love him. He would do anything. If I called Losey at 2.30 in the morning, he would show up and be like, all right, sure. what are we doing? Yeah. Where are we going? What do you need? What's and I, te- I tell this to people all the time. Like, I, I, everybody asks me, like, who's my favorite player growing up? Steve Eiserman. But who's, like, my favorite teammate of all time? Absolutely no question, Al McInnes. And Al just had this special way about him um, that you just felt like you were in – the most amazing set of hands when you're on his team. Like when he was on the ice, it's like, well, Al's out there. So we got nothing to worry about. Like literally <laughs> that confident. Like I'm like, Al McInnes is out there. We are in just absolutely. And then we had prongs on the other side and they each played 30 minutes. So one of the guys was on the ice, either both of them were on the ice on a PK or a, or a, or a power player or else one of them was on the ice at all times. And, and so for me, it was like, if, I like we're sitting at the centene right now and I'm looking out at the lobby and if I seen somebody like roughing Al up right now, I'd probably <laughs> jump over this, run through the glass and tackle the guy. Like because it, it's just ingrained in me, right? Like I remember my fight against Scott Parker. Uh Scott Parker, you know, kicked my butt every time I fought the guy. But the one night that he roughed Al up, I'm like, okay, not today. And and I tell people all the time, because there was moments where I had to get in a fight and just flip the switch on. That mm-hmm. guy's tough. I'm tough. It's the beginning of the season. We're jostling for who the tough yeah, guy yeah, is. Yeah. We're we're trying to build a reputation on our team so that Jamie River can skate around with an extra two inches and an extra 20 pounds without actually having <laughs> the two inches and 20 pounds on him, right? Um, and then that was my role and that was my job, and I was yeah. good at it, and I could fight like that. But if you're messing with one of my boys, there was a unloosening of the screws that happened with me where I really felt almost indestructible. And, and you watch that Scott Parker fight with me and him, and I hit him was six of the hardest lefts I've ever hit somebody with. And I don't know how he went down. And we've talked about it. He's like, dude, you had me so dazed. I'm like, <laughs> why didn't you just go down for me then? You could have saved us some burnt lungs, yeah. you know, because the fight was like a minute, 45 seconds. It was, like, it was a doozy. So that's one thing about Losey that if our listeners don't know, or Anthony, you're not familiar with. For a heavyweight, a big guy, Losey's a big guy. Mm-hmm. The league had a lot of big guys. Losey was very unique in the se- from the sense that he could fight forever, and big guys didn't do that. It was like, you know, a couple of big bombs, hopefully the thing's over, somebody falls down, we're done. And he threw both hands as good as, like, you didn't know if he was a lefty or a righty. So when you got a guy as big as Losey who can fight until you can't even breathe anymore, and he's throwing lefts and rights, he didn't lose a lot of fights. So for him to talk about losing to, Sc- the, to Scott Parker – I mean, that's kind of a, a unique situation because Losey never lost a lot of fights. And a lot of guys end up leaving those fights with knuckle marks on their face, on both sides of their face. So very, a bit of a unicorn here. You know, I, it was a – and I appreciate that. I, I learned how to – I was a righty. I was playing in Saskatchewan Junior League as a 17-year-old. And at the end, I was mopping the league up. And at the end of the year, they kept grabbing onto my right, and I couldn't do it. So I went home that summer, and Del McNeely, a guy that owned a gym that we used to train at, he had a heavy bag there. So I tied a tensor bandage around the heavy bag. And I grabbed onto it, and I got in my stance, and I just threw lefts as hard as I could until my arm felt like it was going to fall off every single day after I was done working out. Wow. And I went back down to the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League that next year, and I'd hit a guy with a right. And I just I just had this – like, again, it's – I got lucky. Like, I wasn't – I didn't train how to be a fighter, but I just could switch over so quick that guys didn't even know what was going on. So I was like, bang, bang, bang. And then I'd hit him with the left, and, and I hit, I hit a lot of guys hard, and I actually had a pretty heavy left hand. But you don't even have to have a heavy – other hand if you're a lefty and then a guy you know if you're if i'm like this and i'm taking and people can't see but i'm taking them kind of on the chin and all of a sudden i could get a slap like that and they're my face and it's kind of like whoa where'd that come from it's startling it's, and then it's you don't startling, know what yeah. the hell to grab yeah and so yeah <laughs> and then you're just flailing right um but if i ever got out of control in a fight i'd always just kind of regroup get back and i would just hold guys out and jab and try and really wear guys out for the 
first 45 seconds or so and then just try and finish them off at the end of the fight. Dude, awesome. Reed, you still doing your wines? Uh, yeah, still have the beverage company. Um, Give yourself a little plug. Yeah, a little plug. Yeah. Tell them. You know, a lot of the people probably wouldn't know a lot of the products because we're small boutique, but um, we bring a lot of new products into the state of Missouri and try and get creative with different on-premise, which is like your restaurants, your bars, that kind of stuff, and then our off-premise, which is like your fryer tucks, and we're in schnooks with a bunch of our stuff. But nice. we just got this new tequila in called uh, Black Sheep, and it just won uh, uh, Anejo of the Year at the San Francisco uh, Wine and Spirits nice. Festival, wow. which is the best one because you've got all those superstar people that have these tequilas now because it's the hottest oh, thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. But these guys are farm to bottle. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be in Friar Tux and wine and cheese and everything starting in February. They had to create a different bottle because their first bottle wasn't working in the off premise stuff. So take a look for uh, for Black Sheep here soon in the St. Louis market. The owner of the company is from St. Louis, so nice. we're gonna have a little splash. We're gonna have a little party yeah. in April here. Uh, have a little concert outside. So I'll be back to talk to you about it. All Good. right, Jamie. I- I and I'm uh, expecting a couple of cases of that. Yeah, for sure. In, in it's my beautiful place. I, right. Beautiful. I asked Reed. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know when this was. This was years ago. I asked Reed. I'm like, hey, because we had done some shows together. So Reed, let me come over, watch some hockey games. I think the, the playoffs were on. Let me come over. Oh, he did that to you too, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it but, got weird. <laughs> Did you wake up with a headache? Couldn't remember anything? <laughs> Sorry, Anthony. Go ahead. I think that was me. He's giving me all the wine. But so I went, I went, we, I went over to your house, and yep. uh, you're like, you like wine? I'm like, no, I'm not much of a wine guy. He's like, you're going to try this. So opens up this. I mean, you you have, I don't know if you still have it or not, but like he's got these ca- cases, pairs of everything. He's like, oh, oh yeah. Lois, he picks them right, too. We, uh, we solved a lot of the world's we problems did. that and night. And you learned a lot about wine, too. I did, yeah. yeah not drank. so much about hockey, but <laughs> we were, wine. We were, yeah. we were drinking some cake bread and some silver oak. We were, we were good, good stuff, stuff man. You know, yeah. I can't invite him over and give him the crap. No, <laughs> we gotta, gotta, I would have known. That's yeah. the funny part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, but, you, but now you like red wine, yeah, so you're it's good. Yeah, solid, man. So, Reed, it's always good to see you. Have fun tonight, man. I will. Thanks for having me on, guys. That's Reed Lowe. Thank you. That's our guy here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Live from Centene Community Ice Center, Jamie and Reed will be playing tonight in the alumni game versus the Wounded Warriors hockey team. And uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun night. So, uh, Reed, make sure that you're you're down here tonight. Uh, Reed will be, what would you say, blue line? Signing autographs and right around the blue line so Jamie can feed them. All right, it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We'll dive into some of these matchups this weekend for Championship Sunday next on 101 ESPN. I just love that guy. We're right back to the Fastlane podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Championship Sundays this weekend. You've got the first game, the 49ers and the Eagles, and then you got the Bengals versus the Chiefs. Uh, by the way, tonight we're live at Centene Community Ice Center. They're going to host the alumni, the Blues alumni versus the St. Louis Warrior Blues. I was saying the Wounded Warrior team. I apologize on that. St. Louis Warrior Blues versus the Blues alumni. This is the game that Jamie's playing in tonight. Our, our last guest, Reed Lowe. Yep. We will talk to Cam Jansen. We're going to have a point. tough team out there. Yeah, we need will. that against these guys. Absolutely. We have Jans, we have Jax. That's going to be a fun. Mosey, me, I think Scott Mellenby. 
think he's got a good team, man. Yeah, got some grizzled old veterans. Absolutely. All right, boys, let's do. Uh, let's focus on quarterbacks here. And Marsh, back in the studios here. You can participate. Grant Francis is our on-site producer today, so uh, we we can we can throw it out to you guys as well. Let's have some fun here. Let's stick with the quarterbacks for Championship Sunday. Which QB has the most at stake this weekend? Most at stake. Marsh, you got one? Who's your top guy most at stake? Uh, I mean, it's got to be between Burrow or Mahomes, right? Uh, I'd go with Mahomes just because of the the question mark that we had. The the question we had yesterday, if Burrow surpasses Mahomes after a win, you know, what's going to happen there? So I'm going to go with Mahomes being the guy with the most at stake. But it's hard to say that because, you know, he's, he's injured right now. So you can't really take that. Sure. But uh, second Super Bowl, either way, second, he's playing. That's all that matters. Second Super Bowl on the line. Grant, who's your guy? Most at stake, quarterback. I think I'm going to go here with Jalen oh, We Hurts. lost the – do we have your mic on? We oh, might not have it? his mic on. No. I got it up. We're good. I can't hear him. Well, that's because he's muted What's you. What's going on? on? He's muted me? Grant, I can't Grant, he's not mic. listening to you. Anthony is not I'm listening. I'm totally listening Anthony, you. To you. Listen. If you don't like my takes, that's fine. That's okay. fine. I can hear him. You're fine. All right. Go ahead, Grant. I'm going with Jalen Hurts here. I think for Joe Burrow, he's already sort of proven himself, got into the Super Bowl last year. I don't think he has much to lose. Beat Josh Allen last week. He's already kind of solidified himself. Jalen Hurts hasn't really proved himself in the playoffs yet, and I think this might be his opportunity to do so. All right, so they took Mahomes and uh, Hurts. You in line with that? I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts on this one here. Um, I think that Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, certainly they have a lot to prove. But what's the number one thing I've been saying all year long? The Eagles are smoking mirrors. What What is Jalen Hurts? Is he really? Is he the real deal? A human being. Or is, no, as a quarterback, Anthony. No. Is he the real deal or not? And if he is, I want to see it. That Niners defense is stacked. I want to see if Jalen Hurts can beat the Niners, um, specifically that defense. Mm-hmm. So for me, he has the most to prove. Brock Purdy, I. You're already into the gravy area with him. You've gotten way more than you ever expected out of this guy, so he's not even on the list. As far as Joe Burrow, I don't know if he has any much to prove. He's proven that he can take a terrible team, not a terrible team, a terrible offensive line to the Super Bowl last year, and he's proven that he could take a team that is less than spectacular overall and go right back to the same area against the Chiefs team, which Mahomes has had that team at the top of the food chain for a couple of years. So I feel like those guys don't have as much to prove. No. I feel like Jalen Hurts does. I'm going to go Brock Purdy. Oh, my God. I'm going to go literal here. He, If he gets the 49ers to a Super Bowl, you benching that kid in the offseason? Yeah. I think he has I think he has a job at stake here. You know, Joe Burrow certainly a, a chance to get back to the Super Bowl, potentially win one. Patrick Mahomes back to the Super Bowl, win second one. Jalen Hurts his first Super Bowl. Brock Purdy literally has a job on the line in some respects. And I think again, if you if you get the 49ers to the Super Bowl, how do you win it? You, you figure out what you, what to do with Trey Lance. But I think Brock Purdy has a has a, a, a job on the line potentially this weekend in Philadelphia. Which quarterback has the most on his shoulders? Separate from his team so just the most on this player individually um wow probably Brock Purdy I think it's Brock Purdy because he, he's the least um qualified his resume is the shortest and so I feel like if that team loses he's gonna feel like he was the reason because if the, everybody will say well if they had Jimmy G 
If Jimmy G would have been in there, you know, and they wouldn't have had this Brock Purdy guy. I mean, it was fun while it lasted, but let's be honest here. So the kid's got to be thinking about that the whole time. And he's looking around the team, and he sees McCaffrey. He sees Samuel. He sees Ayuk. He sees Nick Bosa. He sees all these guys. And it's like, which one doesn't belong here? <laughs> it's Brock Purdy. So I feel like he has a tremendous amount of pressure to not uh, fail his teammates. Marsh? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Jamie. I think from an inside perspective, it's Brock Purdy because of all the, the players and weapons around him. I think from an outside perspective, it's Jalen Hurts because of just the the noise going into this week where our expectations were for him at the beginning of the season. I personally, I think he is the real deal, James Neal. So from an outside perspective, I have Jalen Hurts. Uh, but either way, I honestly, honestly, all these quarterbacks, they have something, you know, on their shoulders all and it's all separate though. It's got shoulder pads. It is called. Yeah, they do have shoulder yeah, pads. They, yeah, they, they all have something on their shoulders. You're right. Yeah. Uh, guys, I'm going, I'm going with Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. That's what I was going to go uh, with it, too. It, yeah. I mean, if you take, uh, Brock Purdy out, can, can they, can, can the 49ers still win this weekend if Brock Purdy is average? I, I think, think so. I think he can rely on his weapons and his defense a little bit. That's what I think. I think for Patrick Mahomes, especially with the injury that has happened, just look at how much the line moved mm-hmm. when he was a full participant in practice and they saw sort of that, that he could play. But if that injury is more th- than what it seems like it is, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be you know, the straw that breaks the camel's back potentially for Kansas Absolutely. City. I, you know, Jalen Hurts has been has been great. He's, he's got a great team around him. Purdy's got a great team around him. You know, Joe Burrow, I think if Burrow is merely average, it's gonna, that, that could be tough. You know, he, he, might, he might have to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, he might have to be great. I know Mahomes has to be great, and he's playing on a limited. I think he's going to be limited with that, that high ankle. Mahomes, I made this case yesterday. You got all these four teams. I think the Chiefs, top to bottom, have the worst roster of the four, and it's because again, the paying Mahomes a lot of money. You have to you have to kind of nip and tuck when it comes to the cap space that you have. Mahomes is the difference maker. Mahomes erases some of the issues that you have, but not if he's limited. All right, next one. Which QB do you have? Which QB do you have the uh, biggest questions about heading into Championship Sunday? Is this easy? Is this Purdy? No. No? Jalen Hurts. Okay. And because I think that Brock Purdy's an easy target. You kind of know who he, you kind of know what he is. Kind of know what he is. He's got a lot of pressure on him. But for me, I have to stay consistent to what I have been all season long. And that is just wondering what Jalen Hurts really is. And, you know, he's got 14 and three on the season, one playoff game. Is he really this guy? If he is, he's going to come out and he's going to stick it to the 49ers and me at the same time. <laughs> uh, and, you know, that's that. But so for me, it's it's that guy. What do you think, Grant? I think the question mark is just the NFC Championship with Purdy and Hurts because this is Hurts' chance to, to silence everybody. Yeah. If he's able to go out and beat the 49ers and play similarly to what they did against the Giants, all questions are answered there in regards to Hurts. But kind of the same with Purdy. Like, if he can show up and play this game and get this team to the Super Bowl, questions are sort of answered for him, too. Because to this point, it's kind of been like, well, he's got him this far, but that's because he's got McCaffrey, Ayuk, Samuel, the defense right. of the 49ers. So if one of those quarterbacks can really take the reins, either of them can really answer a lot of question marks for themselves. Uh, Marsh, for me, the biggest question is still Purdy because 
you, we haven't seen him go in a play, you know, road playoff game, especially in a spot Lincoln Financial Field. It's going to be a tough environment. Well, that's going to be can tough. He, can he handle that? <laughs> I mean, this is this is playoff game last week. Sure, sure against Dallas, and that's a tough defense. All that you got a tough defense, tough corners in Philadelphia, a pass rush that is sick, and now you've got this this environment as well. But for you, Marsh, biggest question. I think it's Pat Mahomes, just from a physicality standpoint, sure. the physical side of things with his uh, his ankle. You know, is he going to be able to? You know, make those dynamic plays that we're used to, or is he going to be playing hopscotch on the field the whole time? I don't know, but uh, I'm hoping he shows up because I want that game to be a tight one. All right, very quick. Which QB has the best weekend? Which one has the roughest weekend? Grant? Burrow has the best. Um, I think Mahomes is going to have the roughest. The mobility thing I think is going to be an issue for him. Marsh? Give me Joe Cool, Joe Shiesty, Joe Burrow, the best weekend for the quarterbacks and the roughest weekend. I think Brock Purdy. I think the uh, the fairy tale comes to an end this weekend. That's my guy, Jalen Hurts. <laughs> so we're going best weekend, worst weekend? Yeah, which QB has the best weekend? Joe Burrow, hands down, best weekend. Uh, worst weekend, Jalen Hurts. Boy, you're all in. I just think the Niners defense is going to throw a lot of different looks at him mm-hmm. and based on the fact that I'm, just me, Jamie Rivers, I'm not convinced. I have to stay true to what I'm thinking the whole time. If the Niners mix things up, then he's going to have a tough weekend. I think Mahomes has the roughest one just because he's going to be limited. I I, I realize he's showing the practice footage. He looks good. Well, look, he's walking. uh, Jamie had an excellent breakdown on that injury a couple days ago or yesterday, and I think that Mahomes could struggle just, again, from a limited standpoint. I don't know if they, they even win, but I think Hertz puts up big numbers. I it think, could be. He might. I, I don't he's got the capabilities. He does. And against those corners with those two wide receivers and AJ Brown and uh Devonta Smith, I, I think he could put up some big time numbers. I don't know if again, I don't know if they win. I think it's gonna be one of those back and forth battles in the NFC title game, but I think Hertz statistically winds up having a big weekend. All right, it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Don't forget we got Championship Sunday. We got the Championship Bash at Helen Fitzgerald's on Sunday. So I hope I hope uh, you know we see you we see you down at Helen's. Should be a fun weekend. Let's get back into the Blues. Are the roster decisions now finally catching up with this team? We'll get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Live from Community Ice Center, Centene Community Ice Center. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Tonight, uh, Jamie Rivers, Reed Lowe, Cam Jansen, uh, and the Blues alumni players will take on the Warrior All-Star team. It's uh, players that's, uh, that are selected by uh, Merritt, and it should be a fun night tonight at Centene Community Ice Center. Wasn't a fun night last night for Blues fans watching that game uh, against Arizona as the Coyotes knock off the Blues 5-0. We, we spent a lot of time in the first hour kind of talking about uh, the, the direction of this team. But, Jamie, when you hear Jordan Bennington, I know you've got the quotes in front of you, hear, read, see what Jordan Bennington said. I mean, he is absolutely spot on. Can you inform our listeners what Bennington said to the media? Yeah, just released um, by the Blues on NHL.com. Um, the, the, the number one thing that is uh, – I guess the, the title of it 
one that says, Bennington says blues must find a way. And then they have a direct quote from him. It says, we've got, to, we've got to all look in the mirror here and find ourselves, find our character, and find a way to win. He's right. And look, people have <coughs> criticized Jordan Bennington in the past for some of his antics. And, you know, they don't know if he's a loose cannon or whatnot. This is a guy that's a highly competitive individual. He really is. And that's why he has some of his outbursts at times because he, he, he hates to not be successful more than anything in the world. And in the last year, I feel like he's really become a leader for this team. And the fact uh, that he's speaking out and he's saying the things he's saying, it's one, it's, it's leadership, but two, it's recognizing that the team needs more leadership. And I don't mean like the guys aren't doing their job. Leadership means sometimes that you recognize that the group needs a, uh, an extra voice, that the voices that you currently have are always the same guys, right? So it's good to have that guy who chirps in every now and then. Like Carl Gunnarsson used to be that guy for the Blues, too. You'd think, well, Gunny, Gunny's here. You know, like that kind of thing, because he would just lie there in the weeds, Anthony, mm-hmm. and then he would say something, and people respect it. He's like, okay, he's a veteran guy. Uh, he's not always chirping in the locker room. He's not the guy that stands up and tries to hype up the guys. But when he says something, you listen. I feel like Jordan Bennington, you know, has become that guy. And... He's got a couple other quotes in here, and uh, he says, that's three losses in a row against opponents you want to beat. It's a tough league. You can get left behind pretty fast, and we, and we know that. We need to just find a way. So, <laughs> I mean, players are starting to identify it, and Craig Berube talked about that. He's like, you know, leadership group within the room, too. Yeah. I, I mean, I just like the fact that he, he used the word character. I mean, you could you could use a lot of lot of words. Say, look, we gotta we gotta get going. We have to find a way. We have to be competitive. We have to do this. We have to do that. But to, to use the word character, I mean, that's something that you and I were talking about in the first segment, and the second segment today. Yeah. Or, or, you know, first hour. Character. What's the character like in the room? It's not a coaching thing because, and I thought you brought up a great point about Scotty Bowman. If Scotty Bowman were to coach this group. The players still have to figure it out. They like have they, to they, do what he wants. Exactly. So, you know, Jamie and I had brought this up, and I said we could get into it later, so let's get into it. A lot of people are going to focus in on, well, you should have brought back David Perron. Okay, yeah, absolutely. you got to go back further than that, though. Not bringing back Alex Petrangelo. And, Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong. Not bringing back Alex Petrangelo sets you on this path to – Paying Colton Pareko what you did, bringing in you know not only Justin Falk but obviously Tory Krug. You bring back Petro, you're not getting back Krug. You're not you're not you're not even interested in Tory Krug. And not that Tory Krug has been terrible, but you did pay market value for somebody that can't do what Petro can do. Mm-hmm. Then of course you get most recently to trading for Nick Letty, but not only trading for him but bringing him back on a, on a contract that yeah maybe maybe you could have given that money to David Braun. Uh, you know, looking at uh, a situation, too, with, like, Sunquist and even, you know, Wallman. I mean, th- there's a domino effect that I think has occurred since not giving Alex Petrangelo the contract or the term or whatever yeah. that he was looking for. It sets you off on this path. One guy, and I just mentioned, what, six guys? Yeah. You know, bringing back one guy 
and then maybe you could have Dave, you could have David Perron. Maybe you still make the deal for. In fact, you did make the deal for Falk. I think when Petra was still here. Yeah, you gave up Edmondson and Dominic Bach. Okay. At the time, could use Edmondson right now. You've got this domino. <laughs> of, it's not just not bringing back David Perron. I go further than that. So when it comes to this certain this this current group of players, Jamie Petro's not walking back through that door. Perron's not, not walking back through that door. At what point? To use Bennington's word, not mine. Character. When yeah. does that character show out? And, and you and and you start hunting again. Yeah. Well, one thing to be clear here uh, is the Blues. We don't know what happened ultimately between Petro and the Blues. Whether it was the contract that was offered and he didn't like it, or whether the player was demanding too much and the team didn't want to give that much. We weren't in the negotiating room. All I can say this is, by not having said player. Whether the player chose to leave or the team decided to walk away from the negotiating tip, doesn't matter. You don't have that player right. anymore. And because that player is no longer with your team, you're right. Tory Krug, you had to sign him to long-term deal at $6.5 million. You end up giving Pareko an eight-year contract extension because he's the alpha dog now, right. which um, he's a very good player when he's playing the way he can. But he, in my opinion, he was never going to reach Alex Petrangelo potential. Uh, you also had to trade Sunquist and Wallman for Letty. You had to re-sign Letty, so you had to trade or let David Perron walk. So you had a lot of different miscellaneous things here that have happened because of one player. Now, one player wouldn't fix everything right, right now. One player doesn't fix everything. But to circle it back to the number one thing, it's about character. It's about players identifying what they need to do as a group and then executing it. Like all this talk, you can talk, 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 talk all day long. Great. We're having dialogue. Great. Guys are stepping up. Awesome. Guys are chirping in the room. Now go do it. Mm -hmm. Because that's all that matters. So when the puck drops on Saturday afternoon in Colorado, all the talk is irrelevant at that point. What you need is the execution. Yeah. And you need to see guys that are going out to prove that what they're talking about, they're, they're, they're talking the talk and walking the walk at the same time. And until we see that, the talk is nothing. And Absolutely. so it, it, it's, it's nice. It's a starting point. But until we see it on the ice, you can't sit there and go, okay, they got character. Yeah, they're going to do it now. Right. And, and look, I, I realize that with Petro, there was a point in time where everybody's like, you know, not everybody. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't blanket everybody. But there was a group that's – there was a group of Blues fans that are like, ah, oh, strip the C from Petro. It was during Remember that, that 2019. Craziness? Remember that crazy during that 2019 season. I realized people are saying strip the C from O'Reilly now. Right. I realized that you could still struggle with somebody like Petro. I'm just saying there's a domino effect that has that has transpired to where you've got the, this current current group of players. The other thing I'll say too, this was, and I'll just mention one practice. It, it was uh, it, in 2020. It was after it is after they won the cup, and one of the things that really stuck that, that struck me while I was at this, this one practice was it was almost like a, a centipede and Petro was the head of the centipede and you had all these defenders, Vince, Vince Young, you know, a lot of the young Vince guys, Dunn? uh, Dunn, excuse me, um, Vince Dunn and all these, these young guys that were just right there with Petro during these drills. Mm-hmm. Petro was the, the head of the centipede and then you had the, the you know, the foul, uh, I didn't want to do this because, you know, grown men, but maybe the better visual would be like the mama duck and then all the baby ducklings following yeah. behind it. I mean, that that's what it was. That was one practice. I can't imagine what it was like in uh, week after week or game after game or off season after off season following this guy, showing 
But this he demanded a lot. Do. This is what we do. I'll tell you that. He demanded a lot from his teammates. So did Alexander Steen. Yeah. So does Ryan O'Reilly. You talk about the, the baby duckling thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Ryan O'Reilly drags guys out there, too. Robert Thomas, Jordan Kaiu drags the young guys out there to do skill work. I know from a firsthand standpoint that Petro used to do it, too, because Petro would call me in the summer and have me go out and run practices for these guys, and he would be like every single day mm-hmm. on the ice, pushing guys, pushing guys, showing up, get on the ice on time, you know, let's go. That's infectious, man. Absolutely. And so did Alexander Steen. So did you know, Ryan O'Reilly. Braden Shen is very much like that, too. David Perron was like that. You do have character guys in that locker room. And I think overall you have more character guys than not. But right now they, the guys ha- the, the character guys have to get everybody on board. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Line on 101 ESPN. We're broadcasting live from Centene Community Ice Center. Uh, we did the quarterbacks this last segment. Why don't we get into the non-quarterbacks now, the non-QBs that could have big Sundays for championship Sundays. Championship Sunday. We'll, uh, we'll hit that next in the Fast Line on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. In less than 10 minutes, we'll have the gauntlet. We had a returning gauntlet contestant uh, who won yesterday. So the second leg of the gauntlet today. Uh, we're live from Centene Community Ice Center. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. All right, Jamie, which non-quarterback, non-QB, will have the single biggest impact for his team on Sunday? Wow. Um, so I am going to go a little bit off the board here. I'm going to say Nick Bosa. I don't think that's off the board at all. I love it. Yeah, I, uh, I think that, one, he's got a good matchup against the Eagles. And two, he's going to drive Jalen Hurts crazy. And he's going to put pressure. He's going to force a lot of QB hurry-ups. He's going to get contact on the quarterback. I think he's going to uh, he's going to cut off that edge. Jalen Hurts likes to roll out to his right, specifically because he's a right-handed pass thrower. He likes to roll out that way. Mm-hmm. He'd be rolling out right into Nick Bosa's kitchen, and he ain't yeah. going to like that too much. Lane Johnson's banged up too. So that's, yeah. a, that's a good call. I like that a lot. I'm going to go with something similar. I'm going to go Chris Jones. The defensive tackle for the Chiefs last week. Buffalo, Buffalo is a smaller team, smaller defensively. It's it's kind of weird. Like they're 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 not necessarily built like an outside team. They're almost built like a dome team. Very very fast on both sides of the ball. Uh, so I don't think they they were able to exploit that Cincinnati offensive line. Like we haven't talked about it at all this week. It's Friday. We haven't mentioned since they got a couple of guys back. They said. Are they completely healthy? Because or, or potentially back, they're they're practicing. Okay, because their center got banged up yet last week too. But I think Chris Jones facing Chris Jones is going to be a different a different challenge this week for Cincinnati's banged up offensive line. I'm not saying that you know one way or another in terms of wins. I, I just think Chris Jones could have a big weekend and he could he could make a, a big impact. All right, moving away from a single player positional group that you see could make a. Huge impact. I'm going to stick right there with the 49ers. 49ers defensive line. The defensive line for the 49ers. Creating headaches for Jalen Hurts. They have to. Not just the defensive line, too. Linebackers. They got to bring blitz. They got to bring pressure. They got to give him, you know, fake blitz, the the delayed blitz. I mean, you name it. They've got to be, they've got to try and rattle Jalen Hurts. 
I, I'm going to stick in that same game. I mentioned this one before because I talked about Jalen Hurts having still having a big game. The cornerbacks for the Niners are are their their weak points. They've got a couple of guys that are good but not great. Like if you're going to attack San Francisco defensively, it's going to be through the air. You saw CeeDee Lamb last week. He had 10 catches, over 100 yards receiving. Like he had a monster game. I think A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, even – uh, AJ Brown's a diva, man. You gotta be careful with that. Oh, guy. stop it! <laughs> Come on, that man. That guy wants the ball too much, man. Yeah, he's a receiver. He wants the ball. What a, <laughs> what a shock, Jamie. I think the receiving. He's like seven eleven, always open. Always open. I, I think the receiving group, even Quez Watkins, I could see having having a decent game. I don't think that Dallas Goddard has a big game. That 49ers linebacking core led by Fred Warner is outstanding. I don't think the tight end for the Eagles has a big. I think. What the wide receiver group, the, the position group for the Eagles? That's that's where I'm looking at. If you're just isolating a positional group. Yeah. All right, moving forward. Which head coach has the biggest challenge or most at stake on Sunday? Oh wow, which head coach? Man, oh man. I'll give you mine first. It's it's Andy Reid to me, and it's Andy really? Reid. Yes, because come on, Andy. because because of Mahomes' injury. Like if Mahomes is limited, I mean severely limited. Yeah. Andy Reid is somebody that doesn't like to run the ball much. He will, but remember last year when the when the Chiefs were really struggling, and you and BT were like, "What, what, what, what do you think Andy Reid needs to do?" I said, "You got to run the football." They're they're begging you. Yeah, they don't have a run game. Two, they got two shots. Yeah, because Reid doesn't really stick with it. And I, look, Andy Reid is one of the best play callers and head coaches that we have seen. I mean, period. Not just. I don't think you're. Now. I, I know you're not saying that. But you got a lot of times they defenses will will keep those the two two deep safeties. Go ahead, Mahomes. Do your thing. You have to run against that because they don't have that guy in the box. Then they don't. They don't have they don't an have extra a fear of the running game. Yeah, they're like, go ahead. We we know you're not going to stick with the run if Mahomes is limited. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid's got a big challenge on his hands, and I wonder if you can get Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon going a little bit. Okay, uh, I'm going to go with Nick Sirianni. I think that his challenge here is obvious. You know, um, the Bengals went to a Super Bowl last year. Andy Reid has won the Super Bowl and he's been in the league forever. Kyle Shanahan has been in the league for quite a long time now. I look at Nick Sirianni as, you know, the guy that has the biggest challenge out of all these head coaches. Sure. Yeah, he's the, he's the that's right. He's the only guy that has not got does not coached in a Super Bowl. That's right. Zach Taylor a year ago, Andy Reid's been in several. Kyle Shanahan has coached either as a head coach or a coordinator in several. Finally, which defense? I imagine you're, I, I, I kind of Best or worst? Get the sense of where you're going here. Which defense do you think winds up having the best showing? Well, I'm hoping it's the 49ers. Uh, I think their defense, I think they have, for me, I believe they have the best defense that's left in this playoffs for the NFL. And I think they have the biggest day. They have to. If they don't, they lose that game. Yeah, because you can't play. If you're the 49ers, you cannot play from behind. You can't. And you can't play um, like the gunslinging game. You can't get into it. You can't go off. Yeah, you cannot do it. Uh, for me, it's Cincinnati. I, I won again. I think I'm banking on Mahomes being limited. I hope he's not because I, I hope we get the best of Mahomes and the best of Burrow. But Cincinnati's defense, led by Lou Armarillo, that does just Anarumo. Jeez, a heck of his name. Lou, Lou Amarillo, I thought is what he was going to say. I was Anarumo. like, Lou Amarillo's played. He's been football now? Let me get the guy's name right. The defense coordinator for Cincinnati, I don't think they – I don't think that the, the Chiefs have scored a point in the second half against – Cincinnati's defense the last couple of times that they have played. At least they didn't do it in the AFC title game last year, I think. Maybe the fourth quarter they didn't have much points. They, 
Cincinnati's defense, defensive, defensively, their, their scheme, I think, is excellent. And they're not going to allow Travis Kelsey to just do whatever he wants like Jacksonville did a week ago. Yeah. So I think Cincinnati is the best defensive game plan. The Gauntlet. Oh, boy. The Gauntlet is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Survive the gauntlet. 403, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's time for the gauntlet. Tim beat Jamie yesterday. Yeah, it wasn't very nice either. The wheel spun to football, and uh, Jamie, unfortunately, 0 for go for now in football. Oh, Anthony, just stop. Do you feel better? No, I don't feel better. No, not at all. Not one bit. Tim is on the line again for the second leg of the gauntlet. What's up, Tim? Oh, not much, guys. So you have you're down to Marsh and myself. Would you like to take on Marsh today or me? Well, uh, let's give you a shot. Okay, oh, I like this, Tim. All good right. luck to you, Anthony. Get Thank the heck you. out of here. Will okay? do. Now we don't have a cone of silence, but I want you to leave the studio and go sit over there with nobody. Okay, go. Goodbye. All right, as Anthony <laughs> checks out of the uh, the cone of silence here, we're gonna have uh, we're go over the rules real quick here. And Grant, where are the questions at here? I will be emailing them to you. Okay, he's gonna email them to me. Uh, Marshy, back in studio. So Tim, yes, sir. You know, you know what to do here, right? Yes, yes. Uh, all right, have at it. All right. We got to tell Marshy to spin the wheel. <laughs> spin the wheel. If he didn't tell me, I wasn't spinning it. I, I don't know. You can't do that against the rules. Ooh. Oh. What'd we get, Marshy? We have random trivia. Random trivia. All right, Grant, have you emailed those questions to me? Okay. All right. So, Tim, as I get the yes. email here of the questions, we'll go over the rules for those who maybe don't know. There'll be four questions. If um, if you don't use the options and you answer correctly, you get two points. If you use the options and you answer correctly, you get one point. And if you don't answer the questions correctly, you get zero points. And I'm going to have... My good buddy Grant, start us off here because the email has not come through. So, Grant, you have the wheel. You're driving the gauntlet right now. All right. I have no problem with that. All right, Tim, are you ready? I am ready. All right, here we go. Question number one. Which country is the only country in the world whose national sport is table tennis? Oh, wow. I'm going to... Let's go ahead and give me the options. All right, your options are Malaysia, Thailand, or China. Oh, wow. Um, I'm just going to take a total guess here and go Malaysia. Final answer. Final answer. Question number two. Go ahead, Marshall. I got you, Grant. Don't worry about it. Are you ready, Tim? Question number two. What is the crossbreed of a donkey and zebra called? Boy, I'm going to have to go to the options on that one also. 
my gosh. Option A, I'm assuming it's Debra, spelled like Debra. Question, uh, option B, a zonkey or a Dombra. Uh, again, a totally total guess. I'm going to go with uh, option B, final answer. All right, he goes with zonkey. All right, question number three. Where is the smallest bone in the human body located? Oh, wow. It's got to be in the foot of the hand, I would think. Uh, again, going to have to go with the options. All right, Tim. You got the fingers, the ears, or the nose? Well, your ears are cartilage. I think your nose is also cartilage, so I'm going to go with fingers. All right. Fingers, final answer. Marshy, I've got the question, so I will bat clean up here. All right. Okay. Final question, question number four. In the most recent season of Stranger Things, what is the name of the main antagonist that is killing people in Hawkins? And that's the most recent season. Yes, sir. Boy, I should know this. My wife is going to kick my butt. Uh, (laughs) Go ahead and give me the options on this also. All right. I believe I'm pronouncing this correctly. Vecna, the mind player, or the mind flayer, or Demogorgon. It's it's Vecna. All right. Final answer? Final answer. All right, let's get Anthony Stalter back in here. He's walking around there aimlessly. People are starting to wonder. I saw parents uh, grabbing their children because they didn't know what Anthony was doing, standing out there doing nothing. Anthony, welcome back. Should mind their own business. Yeah, sure. All right, Anthony. Um, you better pack a lunch. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. Question one. Which country... Yeah, it's random. Which country is the only country in the world whose national sport is table tennis? I don't know. Can I have the options, please? Is it Malaysia, Thailand, or China? Let's go with uh, China. Final answer? Yeah. Okay. Question number two, Anthony. What is the crossbreed of a donkey and a zebra called? Crossbreed donkey and a zebra. Hmm. It's a good question. Uh, can I have the options? Your options are a debra, a zonkey, or a donbra. Let's go donbra. Final answer. All right. Question number three, Antoine. Where is the smallest bone in the human body located? Smallest bone in the human body. Now, is this for everybody or just certain people? No, this one's for everybody. Okay. Yeah. Um, hmm. Smallest bone. I would think maybe the foot or uh, your hand. Got to be some tiny bones in the foot. You know what? I'm going to take a shot say the foot. Final answer. All right. Foot. Final answer. Last question, Anthony. In the most recent season of Stranger Things, what is the name of the main antagonist that is killing people in Hawkins? That's a great question. Never seen the show. Can I have the answer, please? 
or the options? Options. Can I have the can <laughs> I have, You wish you had the answer. Can I have the you? answer? I stand, uh, I, that's what I meant to say, the answer. <laughs> well, Anthony, I can't give you the answer, but what I can do is give you the options, and I'm going to do that right now. Your options are Vecna, the Mind Flayer, or Demogorgon. I'll take option B, please. Is that Mind Flare? The Mind Flayer. Yeah, the Mind Flayer. Absolutely. B. All right, Anthony. Let's go over these. Let's start at uh, question one. Which country is the only country in the world whose national sport is table tennis? Tim, you took the options. He said Malaysia. Anthony, you took the options. You said China. The answer is it's the same country that created ice cream, Anthony. It's China. Yeah. Right. One nothing, Anthony, after one. Question two. What is the crossbreed of a donkey and a zebra called? Tim, you took the options. You said a zonkey. Anthony, you took the options. You said a donbra. The answer is? Everyone knows it's a zonkey. Sure is. Ah. One, one after two questions. Question three. Where is the smallest bone in the human body located? And not specifically for you, Anthony. Mm -hmm. Tim, you took the options. You said fingers. Anthony, you shot your shot and said the foot. The answer is? It's the ears, gentlemen. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense. The stapes, apparently. Ah. Yep. So we're 1-1 after three going into the final question, where both of you have different answers. Are one of you right? I don't know. In the most recent season of Stranger Things, what is the name of the main antagonist that is killing people in Hawkins? Tim, you said your wife's going to kill you because you should have known this. Then when you heard the answers, you said, I, uh, it's Vecna. Anthony took the options. And uh, you've never seen an episode of not, Stranger Things. Not one, Jamie. No, not, ever, not ever. I can see it in your face. <laughs> and you said, the mind flayer. Mm -hmm. Tim? You have chosen wisely. Yeah, Tim. You got you, Anthony. All right. The mind flayer, really? That's really? actually the uh, the overall antagonist of the show. Oh, he was I'd the first <laughs> season uh, at the That's end. That's what I thought you the said. The first flayer. season. Yeah, the, well, you should yeah. listen better. Mm. All right, Tim, you got Anthony here. Now you get to carry this over through the weekend, celebrate with all your friends, throw a big party, and get ready for the third leg on Monday. Yeah, that's exactly what we're gonna do. I've got everybody from work listening. They're 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 gonna be thrilled. There we go. <laughs> Congrats, Tim. Way to go, Anthony. All right. Can I give a shout-out to my wife, Leah, real quick? Just, yes. just you're, you're awesome. Thank you, hon, for uh, dealing with me. You, well better, said, you yeah. better shout her out after you didn't know that answer. <laughs> well, yeah, she's going to, when I get off here, she's going to be like, we watch that all the time. Why didn't she's you gonna know? She's going to hold you accountable, Tim. Exactly. Thank you, guys. <laughs> nice job, Tim. Congrats. Have a good Thank weekend. You. you too. Well, Jamie, I think I'm with you when I say the old gauntlet was more fun. I have another save opportunity. Yeah, Marshy's up yeah. for a save again. We have like three contestants in a row here where we've been, well, we've lost, uh -huh. been to the brink, and now back to the brink again. Yeah. Hopefully it's not Tim's birthday on Monday. Oh, boy, yeah. Marshy, Marshy does, he ruins people's birthdays. Uh. 
Okay. Well, nice job, Tim. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. The Cards bullpen. Is that a sure thing heading into the season? We'll talk about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fastlane podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, Jamie, I don't think we've spent a lot of time, if at all, talking about the Cardinals' bullpen. And that's because it's honestly the probably the most solid group. It's got the least amount of storylines. Ryan Helsley went healthy. He winds up occupying, uh, I would believe, most of your save opportunities. You've got uh, an excellent setup man in Giovanni Gallegos. So for some reason, Ryan Helsley isn't your closer. Gallegos has done so before. He, he, can, be, he can be a closer. In fact, I don't expect... Ali Marmel to necessarily commit to one guy throughout the course of the year when it comes to the ninth inning. Yeah, he didn't really do that last year. No. Like, you know, Helsley was the guy there, Hell's Bells. He ended up being, you know, the closer um, when he was available. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Ali Marmel wasn't afraid to go with Gio, wasn't afraid to – heck, uh, a couple of times there he went with uh, Palante too. He was at the back end of it there. And yeah. Palante kind of earned – he's, he's kind of the interesting one here. Andre Palante, I felt, earned from the start of the season to the end of the year the, the most the most opportunities. It's like ice time in hockey, Jamie. You start off, you know, you're, you're only playing like Reed Lowe was talking about to us earlier. You know, you, you might, maybe you're playing six minutes or so, but then over time you get that, that trust in the coaching staff and then, then you, you know, you get 12 minutes, 14 minutes, 17 minutes. When it comes to Palante, it's like, all right, we're going to use you in different spots. And I thought that Ali Marmel tested him early. There was well, a, that's the thing. He tested him right away with a whole bunch of different yeah. like, scenarios or situations, and the kid just thrived in every one that he ended up in, whether it was coming in as a mid-relief or setup guy for the closer. He got a clo- couple of closes, then all of a sudden he was a starter. Mm-hmm. The kid's a gamer, man. He is. He absolutely is. And I, th- I feel like Ali Marmel is one of those guys that, yeah, he, he'll rely on the information, they might rely, rely on the data, but if he tests you, and you thrive. He's gonna put. He's gonna continue to put you in high leverage situations. I expect that's where Andre Pallante is gonna be. But he's so versatile. You can use him in the sixth inning. You can use him as you know somebody your starter gets blown up. I don't know if it was Miles Michaelis or, or Stephen Matz, or maybe it was one of the Matz injury games where Pallante had to step step in and yeah. and, and eat a couple of innings. Actually, you know what it was? I think it was a Miles Michaelis spot where Miles Michaelis pitched well, but he got into a jam middle of the inning, like sixth inning, game on the line type deal. Could go either way, and Palante came in, and he he played that that fireman role, so to speak. He had ice in his veins for he, that one. He did. So I think Palante is the, your versatile piece, and then you've got guys like Jordan Hicks and uh, you know Dakota Hudson. If D- Dakota Hudson winds up a guy what that Packy Naughton too, he's pa- a guy that found himself in the good books with the coaching staff by answering the call and doing whatever the hell the team needed. And I remember Ollie Marmel talking about it, just saying, "Look, Packy Naughton's like I don't care." Uh, whenever you need me, I'm ready. Right. The moment's never too big. I, I'm, I'm not I'm not phased by anything. The guy that I think is most interesting heading into this year is Genesis Cabrera. Because you had – you so the spot last year, you thought I, – I thought that Genesis Cabrera was going to be one of your th- one of your three main guys because that's he what you saw. Yeah, that's what you saw the year prior. Uh-huh. So – Line, you know, you can kind of line it up where you got 
in in one one way, shape, or form. You got you got Giovanni guy. Uh, you got uh, Henesis Cabrera, Gio, Giovanni Gallegos, and then Ryan Helsley, and you can kind of mix and match. And I remember when Cabrera faced the Cubs on that Sunday night and wound up throwing like three innings. And I thought, okay, well this this is a spot where he proves to Ali Marmol he he can earn you know uh, high leverage situations, more opportunities. And then at some point. You got Cabrera kind of showing up Ollie a little bit. It, well, his play started to dip. Yes, okay? the his, velocity dipped. His consistency, it was all over the place. And then he got taken out of a game. He wasn't happy about that. And he slammed the ball down. And right. Ollie Marmol said, oh, really? And that was the last we ever heard Is of Hennessy's Cabrera right? for the year. Pretty much, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he got one other opportunity after that, but then that was it. Yeah, I think it was like in the sixth inning. Yeah, and he didn't. He came out and he was. He he didn't have another. He didn't have a good day again. Yeah. On the bump, and so Ollie was like, "We're done." Mm-hmm. I, I realize again that young guys like Cody Whitley or you know some of these young pitchers that might be vying for you know like Zach Thompson vying for an opportunity to start one day. Those guys are interesting. But if you're talking about like pure stuff and when he's right, and he's been there before in a limited capacity, I think Henesis Cabr- Cabrera is uh, one of the more intriguing arms when it comes to this bullpen. But for you, do you, are, are you like, you know what, that's kind of, kind of the one group. Right? There, there's not a ton of questions. Nah, me. Not. I mean, honestly, for me, the, the discussion, quite honestly, is over. I mean, we've covered the, the, the main players yep. as far as the guys that we think are going to get called upon the most and kind of go from there. One thing that MLB just released here, it's off topic a little bit, but I think it's somewhat interesting is the MLB Network is uh, just had a thing about Rookie of the Year candidates, and Steve Phillips said that he's confident that the rookie, the NL Rookie of the Year, will be Jordan Walker. I, look, I could see it. You, you everybody. So look, I mean, they have these lists and they do this stuff, but you know, we've seen him at the top of the list as far as prospects go, mm-hmm. and, and you know, guys that could make an impact. And that's quite a big deal that he said he could he sees him as the NL Rookie of the Year. You can you kind of saw this coming a little bit, maybe not Rookie of the Year, but you saw you saw the opportunity coming last year. Uh-huh. Like you just got the sense that with the way that he was, tr- you know, trajecting in in the minors, that Jordan Walker was going to have his opportunity in spring training. And th- I think the question now becomes. What what are you going to be looking for? If you're the Cardinals, what are you going to be looking for out of Jordan Walker in spring training for you to say he's on the roster game one? Because, Jamie, if he's on the roster, he's got to play. Yeah. This is not well, a he, bring His talent him. has to play. Like, you don't put a guy like that on the bench. Well, not, not only that, it's baseball. It's a young – it's a kid. He's, you know, what? What is he, 20 years old he's still? 20, he's 20. Yeah. But he's very mature. You cannot. Yes, he is very he mature. Is. You're right. No, you're absolutely spoken, right. I just like, like the way you said that. Yeah, he's a young kid, but he's very mature. What the heck, Grant? When you look What's at this guy? when you look at Jordan Walker, you want to make sure that he's getting at consistent abs. He's either if he's on the roster, he's got to be playing. Now, if he looks overwhelmed, how does he, play? How does he get in the lineup? Oh, you. Uh, he's in. It, it, no, how does he get in, in spring training? In spring training, you're talking about. Yeah, and then once once spring training breaks, if Jordan Walker is part of your outfielder group yeah. how does he get in the lineup he's getting on base mm-hmm. he's not striking out and he shows a little bit of pop for me he just has to outplay one guy tyler o'neill or anybody any anybody outfi- in the any outfielder, outfielder. Yeah. yeah 
That's it. He just has to hit better than one guy out of, out of the group, whether it's Yepes, um, Lars, Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, like whoever his competition is mm-hmm. ultimately – he just has to outplay one of those guys. Yeah. Because then what what would your excuse be to not play him? If he's better than one of those guys, wouldn't right. you play him? Absolutely. And then that's how he gets more at bats. And then certain situations, maybe he's your DH for the game. Who knows? What, real quick, what's your prediction? I've made this clear. I actually have a bet, a wager with Alexa Dat, who fills in from time to time here and Bally Sports Midwest. I said he breaks spring training with the club. He, he's on the plane back to St. Louis to start the season. Okay. She thinks I'm crazy. Um, she thinks that he'll be up eventually, like a month into the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got a little friendly wager going on there. I think he has a legit chance of cracking the opening day roster with the with the big league club. I don't think you're crazy, but I don't think that he starts the year in St. Louis. Uh, you know what, Anthony? I don't like your attitude. That's fine. I don't think he does. At be- all. Because – this like it's kind of the Cardinals. It's almost it almost feels like a very Why Cardinals do you not thing. Like Jordan Walker, it's almost a very Cardinals thing too. We want to get a look at Tyler O'Neill and this group and why. I see. I look at it differently. I think this year John Mozeliak is looking for every single flipping reason to have him be the guy because he's taken so much heat for not getting another bat. He didn't mm-hmm. get another bat. Now he wants to be like, bam! There's your bat. Yeah. There's your bat. Net, net. I feel like we've got a good group of outfielders. Sports Six Pack is next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're live from Centene Community Ice Center, where tonight the Blues alumni will take on the Warrior All-Star team, uh, players that have been selected for uh, merit and various uh, accomplishments throughout the course of the year. So th- tonight's going to be a lot of fun, and our very own Jamie Rivers will be playing in the alumni game. Yeah, baby. Uh, we're also going to be ch- chatting with, at some point, I think Barrett Jackman. Barrett Jackman, yeah. And uh, possibly Cam. We'll see. You never know what Cam Cam's is. a bit of wild card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cam will show up at 6.05. Hey, Mike. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm here, so boys. Yeah. All Cam, right. Cam's a great guy. Big heart. Time for our sports six-pack. Take it away, Marsh. Question number one. All right. I'm going to start us off here. Oh, whoa. Because uh, I just saw something come out here from a Twitter page that uh, is BR Walkoff. It's got the old gold check mark, so we know it's real. And uh, John Denton, who uh, is the MLB.com beat writer for the St. Louis Cardinals, posted this as like a head scratcher. So they put a list out of top 10 MLB players right now. Top 10 MLB? Yeah. Um, Number one, Shohei Otani. Number two, Mike Trout. Three, Aaron Judge, Juan Soto, Bryce Harper, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Manny Machado, Nolan. Arenado. Arenado. Jordan Alvarez. Who's missing from that list for you guys? Anthony, you already know the the answer. Yeah. So Marshy, Marsh, Grant. Grant, who's missing? Uh, I said a big fundy. Mm. How is Paul Goldschmidt? So the question I have is, how is Paul Goldschmidt not recognized as one of the top 10 Major League Baseball players right now? 
Well, he's the NL MVP, reigning. Yes. Who would you would you have him ahead of Nolan? I, I think you have to have him ahead of half of this list. Okay. Well, there's well, there's let, an a then let's, then let's do it. There's an AL MVP uh-huh. and there's an NL MVP. Sure. He should be second technically. Okay. Oh really? Who would you have? Who would you have? In all in all fairness, who would you have? I would have him there ahead of Freddie Freeman for sure. I would. I'd have him there ahead of Jordan Alvarez as well. Jordan's an absolute beast. I don't care. So is Paul Goldschmidt. He is the NL MVP. Had a good, very good year. He's a great player. I hate I to I, I hate to say he's there in lieu of Nolan Arenado, but you almost have to. My my thought process is is the NL MVP. He was voted the best player in the National League. So anybody else who's on this list from the National League mm-hmm. shouldn't be ahead of Paul Goldschmidt. So Juan Soto. Are we looking for the, Are we looking for next year? Projecting for next year, Anthony. I don't freaking know. Okay, well, all right. Well, Jesus, Paul, Paul Goldschmidt. S- sorry, Paul Goldschmidt should so be too. So many rules with this guy. He should be too. Oh, now you're just That's trying what to. You be- I'm going to throw say. something at you. That's what you wanted me to I'm say. I'm going to throw this paper clip. So there you have it, Marshy. Right. What's your take? Never mind, Anthony. He's just a bitter man. Uh, I think I think these lists are are dumb, in my opinion. But I might drop in there. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I mean, I, agree. I think I think school really, really paid, paid off. off. <laughs> I think Paul Goldschmidt should obviously be at the top, but you know, what are you gonna do? Uh, nothing. Grant, what do you think? Well, yeah, I think he obviously needs to be on that list. If he's the reigning NL MVP, how are you going to have NL players ahead of him? I'm with you, Jamie. There you go. Thank you. All right, question two. Get on. <laughs> Moving on. Here. You, Anthony, ruined my fun. Question number two. I'm sorry. I it doesn't matter where Anthony's at. It's just there's just something going on. You could be in the studio. You could be at the Fun, Centene Community Center. Camaraderie. Team. Dark cloud above him. Teamwork. <laughs> ethics. Responsibility. <laughs> accountability. Yeah. It's because of the gauntlet com- uh, performance. He's so pissed. <laughs> Anthony, we're going to need the three E's from you. Yes. You, you've been getting it. <laughs> All right. Question number two for you One guys. <laughs> Jamie's list. Nope. This is a perfect question from the 636. Is Jamie Rivers going to get in a fight tonight? No. God, no. Alumni game. It's an alumni game against the All-Star Warrior team. These people who have risked their lives to protect our country. There's no way I'm fighting anybody tonight. What about in the next five minutes? That's possible. Grant, look out, buddy. No, no. You know where I'm headed. <laughs> hey, the Fast Lane Sportsbook, what is the anytime goal score odds set at for Jamie Rivers? Today? Oh, God. I got wow. two and a half. Two and a half? Yeah. Two One from the half. point. I think Jamie might walk wow. somebody tonight. <laughs> you think he scores three goals tonight in an alumni game? I'm. Are these typically high-scoring games? Well, yeah, they are. They're typically high-scoring games. But so, to be honest, usually we, we evaluate – um, you know, what level of player we're playing against. Uh-huh. And if they're young college guys, or, yeah, we'll bring our A game, and you might see two or three goals from an individual in that, that game. I don't know. This is a select group of Warrior players, so it's not necessarily the top players on every team. It's the players that are most deserving. So whether they're doing work in the community or they show sure. up for all the events or they're, you know. So the talent pool might vary. It will vary. I 
I can't see myself if it, you know you're out there just trying to bury goals left and right. Yeah. I'll pass the puck. I would say assists. I love passing the puck at these things, letting other guys score. So I'll, go with like two and a half assists. I'll take the over on assists. Yeah, I, I'm not going to take two and a half on goal. Over on two yeah. and a half goals. Jamie's not going to walk a no. walk somebody. Like maybe once, just for fun. I'll, I'll, you know, dance around a little bit and tuck one top cheese. Yeah, he says that now. <laughs> You know what might be the play for you guys? What about penalty minutes? No, no Marshy. What? I don't know. Penalty Maybe minutes. Pe- peace and love out there. I will be chirping these guys though nonstop. Yeah. Nonstop. Because they like that, right? They want to know, like, hey, what was it like to play against right. Reed Lowe or Jamie Rivers? Well, you're going to get the full Monty here. <laughs> uh, what's, um, you know what the play could be? What? Let them get a lead. And then just come back with a flurry? Yeah. Give the, give the people a show. Yeah. Well, we, we usually have a lot of fun with these things. Honestly, we usually have so much fun with these. It's great. Do a little Jaguar Charger action. Right? Could do that, right? I mean, that might be more upsetting, though. We had them! <laughs> we had them! <laughs> <laughs> you guys just skate off. You never had us. Never had us. <laughs> Go ahead, Marsh. Question number three. From the 480, which game this weekend is more likely to be a blowout? Three scores or more. Oh, Wow. Wait, uh, uh, somebody wins by three scores? Yes. There's no way. Uh, I mean, okay, I know we're picking what. Yeah, there's. I don't think there's any way either. But I'll go with I'll go with the Eagles 49ers game one way or another. Wow, 49ers by three scores? I don't see anything. I don't see. I don't see either game being being a blowout. No. But the Eagles have not played the toughest schedule. They have not. They have not really been checked. <laughs> At all. So, you, you know, I, I could see things kind of going off the rails a little bit and frustrating the Eagles. Conversely, Brock Purdy, if he if he serves about three up like Trevor Lawrence did, the the 49ers ain't coming back like like the Jaguars. Yeah. So I, I could see that game maybe getting off. I don't I don't see it, but that would be the one I would pick. Uh, for me, yeah, it has to be that game. I think the Bengals and the Chiefs is going to be, I mean, that's going to be an epic matchup. The only way that might slide into, like, blowout territory is if Patrick Mahomes, for whatever reason, goes down in the first quarter. Yeah. And they're stuck with with Chad Henney the rest Mm -hmm. of the way. Not that there's anything wrong with him, but he's not Patrick Mahomes. So I'll pick that game for fun. I'll say Patrick Mahomes uh, isn't quite himself or cannot participate in the whole game. Mm -hmm. And since he puts their foot on the gas. No faith in the pride of Michigan, huh? Chad Henney. I, you know, Tom no. Brady went to that school, too. Yeah. There's something about those quarterbacks. Yeah. He's he's just like Tom Brady. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Question number four. From the 480, what's the over-under on wins for Dakota Hudson this season? For Dakota Hudson? Four. Four, I'll take the under. Anthony. Well, Anthony, how many you know there's going to be injuries. How many opportunities? How many opportunities is he, he going to get? I think he's a mid, mid relief guy or that second guy, the uh, first guy out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that there will be an injury at some point, and he'll be called upon. I think he 
I think he gets five or six wins. Wow. How many did he get last year? I don't know. This is where I'm flying blind. <laughs> <laughs> now, are, are these wins as a starter? Because if he's in the bullpen, he could pick up more wins. Oh, that's true, too. He could. I was thinking wins as a starter. Me, but too. If, if, you throw, if you throw in out of the bullpen, mm. he had eight last year. Yeah. I, I don't know how many. five this year. He started. So, if you see. set the over-under at four, I'm going over. For a starter? I'll go. I'll go under. All right. As a starter. I mean, maybe um, he wound up starting twenty six games last year. Wow, he started that many. Holy smokes! I'll still go under. This rotation's gonna stay healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. This is the, this is the year, this Jamie. This is it. This is the year that that group stays healthy. So give me the under. Guys, we got a text from the six three six. I'm not sure if they understood the last question about the the three score blowout but it was not uh specific to the nfl the more i read it and the 636 says the avalanche blowing the doors off the blues that's just tough that's just tough no i don't like that at all marshy you know better than to read that negative anthony did you send that no i didn't i saw you on your phone (laughs) it wasn't me i saw it grant you saw it too my phone barely works in the Centene Community Ice Center. It works good enough for that crap. Okay. That's just not fair. It's not very nice. Question number five. Guys, Dan Quinn heading back to Dallas. Is that a is that a good idea? Anthony, I am so perplexed by this situation because Dan Quinn informed um, two separate teams that he was no longer in the running for their head coaching position yep. to go back to Dallas as a DC. What, like, if you're an FBI agent, the NFL FBI guy, <laughs> what does that tell you? Like, is Jerry Jones now completely overpaying for a defensive coordinator? You'd have to be. To pass up an opportunity as a head coach in the NFL, that's big cake. Mm-hmm. And, and so is he is he being paid like a head coach? Or is he being guaranteed something behind yeah. Mark, Mike McCarthy's back? I think it's one. I think it's one of two, two or is scenarios. It both? I think it's one of two scenarios. Either one, Dan Quinn has a good feeling that he'll get the job if and when Mike McCarthy gets fired, and he's willing to wait even another year to get that job. And it wouldn't be a bad play because that Dallas roster is talented. They, they've got plenty of issues as we've seen, but that's that's not a bad roster to take over. The other option could be he just flat out knows you, you're not you don't. It's very rare. I'm not saying it never happens. It's very rare that you get three opportunities to be a head coach in the NFL. He's already had his one. If he goes to let's say Denver, and it's Russell Wilson and all that, and it, it could go sideways. Goes to the Colts. There's no quarterback. Goes to who else? Houston. Absolute dumpster fire. He might be looking at it and saying, "I'm just gonna. I, I'm fine. I'm good. I got a good roster. I got a good defense. I know I'll be. I, I'll be in this mix again next year, and then I'll have. I'll have my my opportunity. I'll just sit. I'll just sit and wait this thing out. Either I'll get Dallas's job, or I'll get one a, a better job than what's being offered right now. It's just an odd situation. It is. I was shocked. I I said it yesterday. I, think, I, I said it. I think. And then two seconds later, it's like Dan Quinn going back to Dallas. I was yeah. like, he's gonna be head coach. I guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking news, Dan Quinn going back to Dallas. 
So, yeah, I, I'm I'm surprised as well. All right, that's your sports. What did we get, March 5? We got, we got five. five today. We got five. That's, I mean, we overachieved, quite frankly. It's a good it's number. Yeah. It's not Friday, a serious number, but it's a good one. Yep, that's true. So the uh, sports five-pack here in the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. At some point, we are going to talk to Bear Jackman ahead of tonight's alumni game. Uh, we got we got some blues stuff coming up at 5 o'clock either way. Let's let's do another kind of quick hitter with these NFL games, uh, and then we'll talk some blues at 5 o'clock. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the fast lane on 101. E- it, oh, jeez. What just reading, happened? I was just reading what the Adam Sandler thing. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN, and I looked down as I was saying that, yeah. and I was going to say every day this week. I just started reading it as I was doing yeah, the yeah. opener. You that, got the computer jammed up there. Uh, that was. I'm going to reset this thing now. Control all. Yeah. Uh, I'm Anthony Stalter. I'm an imbecile. That is Jamie Rivers. We're live, at, <laughs> we're live at Centene Community Ice Center. Every day this week, so this is it, we have your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Adam Sandler live at Enterprise Center on Friday, February 10th. Limited tickets remain to see The Sandman live for one night only at Enterprise. Get all the details and find a bonus chance to register to win free tickets for Adam Sandler right now at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app. Here's your trivia question today, and you got to be the 101st texter with the correct answer uh, to our Air Comfort Service text line. Here's your trivia question. Adam Sandler once wrote a song about a lonesome what? What's the answer to that? You're the 101st texter. You're going to go see Adam Sandler. You look confused. Do you not know that one? Nope. Really? No. Lonesome Cowboy. Okay, I can give you a hint. It's not the Lonesome Cowboy. Hmm. I'm su- I'm surprised you haven't heard that song. No. That Sandler song. No, Anthony, I, I take my uh, listening uh, very seriously. I like music by musicians, not comedians. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> what do you believe will determine the NFC championship game? Uh, touchdown. <laughs> that makes sense. Scoring? No, it could have been a field goal. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what, what do you think is Jalen Hurts' performance? Because you, you've I been kind of on It that. literally comes down to quarterback. Both teams. Can Brock Purdy not fail the 49ers? Can he exceed expectations? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Can Jalen Hurts give you exactly what he's given you all season long? Is he unfazed? by the 49ers defense is he unfazed by the moment is he an elite quarterback is this his time so that to me is everything Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts that's the game for me for me it's whether or not the 49ers have a lead because if they don't have a lead and you have to you force Brock Purdy to be in a drop drop back passing game all of a sudden everything changes Brandon Ayuk is a very good receiver Debo Samuel the ultimate Swiss Army knife George Kittle, outstanding tight end. Chris McCaffrey, great in the run, you know the the running and passing game, but that offensive line, which is very good moving forward, you get in a drop back passing game. I don't think it's as good. So now Brock Purdy's in a situation on the road, having to come back, you know, having to come from. He's behind. having to air it out. 
I don't like. I don't like that for Brock. Purdy. Do they have Not enough weapons though to help to almost protect him with that? I think that. Yeah, I mean, if the 49ers get a lead, then everything opens up for them. No, but what if they're down by a score or ten points, and mm-hmm. you're talking about Brock Purdy? You're forcing him now to throw the football. Yeah. Don't they have enough options that would that 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 the number of options almost protects him a little bit? In some respects, yes, but I think that. In order to win, if they can't run the football against the Eagles, then I think then I think they're gonna have they're gonna have big time problems. So I think I think it comes down to whether or not the 49ers can build a lead or not. Uh, the AFC Championship game, I I think this is I think this is somewhat simplistic. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes is really okay and he's and and he's able to move and he's not limited, then you're gonna get yourself a game. And then it comes down to who has the ball last. If he is limited. It's going to come down to that. It's yeah. going to be. It's going to come down to the fact that Kansas City is going to is going to be forced to just throw a bunch of short plays into the game, uh, whether it's you know getting Kadarius Tony or Juju Smith Schuster or you know Jarek McKinnon involved and just very short things because Mahomes can't can't stand and he can't he can't wing it downfield because he can't get to that drop step. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing. It really is. It really does come down to Mahomes' health. And, and whether or not, like I said before, if Andy Reid can stick with the running game, if Mahomes is limited. Yeah. For, for you, is it kind of similar? Where Mahomes, it just kind of comes down to the Mahomes injury? It's all about Mahomes. It's all about the pressure the Bengals can get on Mahomes and force him to, to force him to see if he's able to play the yeah. way he can or not. Like, the Bengals are going to have to bring the heat early. I think that if he's, one, if he's hobbling at all, you got to bring the heat. And if he's not, you got to get him to hobble. Right. Uh, that sounds terrible, but you got to get contact on him. You got to get up. You got to make life miserable on Patrick Mahomes. And they will too. I mean, Cincinnati will get, continue to send rushers. They that's, have to. That's their defense. They have no chance if they don't. Right. All right. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We're live from Sensing Community Ice Center tonight. The uh, Blues alumni, including Jamie Rivers, will take on the Warrior All Star team, and it, it's going to be a fun night. And we're actually going to talk to somebody. That is uh, a part of the Warrior player coming in. There you go. So we'll we'll talk to him about his experience and what it's going to be like to face Jamie Rivers. Oh, boy. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. 503, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. We're down at Sensing Community Ice Center where Jamie Rivers and the Blues alumni, including our guy Reed Lowe, who stopped by earlier, Cam Jansen, uh, Barrett Jackman, I think is going to stop in with us at some point. They're going to take on the Warrior All-Star team. And Greg Burian, Burian? Yes, sir. Burian perfect. is uh, you're, part, you're part of the event. You're not playing tonight, but I know right. you're going to be here doing some 50-50 raffles and yeah. things like that. Th- this place is absolutely buzzing. It's right uh, it's insane. This is our second annual tournament, and um, you know just the, to see the response from all the teams from across the country, all the Warrior organizations – um, on top of that, you know, the volunteers are coming out. You know, it's just a great event, and we're just so happy to be hosting it again. So you guys have, you guys have warrior teams everywhere. Yes, well, first of all, so explain the format here because you've got, you know, alpha team. Yep. You've got, like, four teams, I believe, just for the St. Louis Warriors. Yeah. So, yeah, under the uh, 
the Blues Warrior umbrella, if you will. We have four different tiers. So Alpha are, are more experienced players. Maybe a few of those guys have been playing like junior hockey, maybe college. Uh, definitely more experienced. And all the way down to our Bravo, Charlie, and Delta. Delta is kind of your newer guys who are in gals, really, who are newer to the, to the sport. And um, not just learning, but also, you know, kind of um, – getting experience with the with the sport itself so how does yeah. it how does it start you know i, I mean i've I, this is I, I only know this through like you know everything that jamie's kind of been a part of too yeah. uh but you know give us a backstory how did how does how did this come about how did you guys decide to form different teams and then how did how has it grown from there yeah so we started uh I guess it was in the summer of the pandemic, 2020. So a little over two years ago, we started. Uh, Nathan Lopp is our team president. He had the idea. I got together with um, several key stakeholders in our organization. Um, got the word out there. I think during our first or second practice, we had up to 20 people come out. And then before you know it, we had over 100. Wow. Then we had a wait list. So we started with two teams, and then we got to the point where we needed more ice time. We needed more uh, just practice times in general. So we went from two teams to four teams. Um, and that's where we're at right now. So from Alpha to Delta, or Alpha to Delta, excuse me. So that's awesome. And yeah. then the Blues got involved, correct? Because uh, I remember, I remember being in this rink and Bruce Affleck, our alumni president, having discussions with members of the Warrior Group. Yes. And then before you know it, all of a sudden, you know, the Blues are are a part of it. And I think I think that's been a big deal too. It's it's been phenomenal. Uh, words cannot express our gratitude for the St. Louis Blues and the alumni and everything that Bruce has done to. Uh, no, not just raise funds, but also help out with equipment for players who don't have much. Um, it's been a blessing. You know, I, we talked – I remember in preparation for the tournament last year, a few of us got um, lucky enough to go down to the, the Blues game and then go on with – I think it was Alex Ferrari and a few other guys. Yeah. And we were talking like it was the best thing that we didn't know that we needed. You know what I mean? So for a lot of us, it's not just hockey. It's saving our lives. It's giving us an outlet for, um, for a lot of, you know, uh, military things that we experience like PTSD and – uh, things of that nature. So um, to have the Blues support and the alumni support has just been a blessing. So uh, to dive into that a little bit here, and obviously with the military, like it's such a, it's an, it's on another level when mm -hmm. it comes to, you know, putting your, your life in someone else's hands mm -hmm. as far as, you know, depending on each other in that team and that group stuff. I, I know from being a hockey player and obviously different, but when I left the game, it was very hard. Sure. You're not part of a team anymore. You feel kind of isolated. Uh, what do I do now type yep. thing. So I just love the fact that you guys have these teams available. Yes, sir. And like you said, you, you get to be with people that know. They've walked a mile in your shoes type thing. I think that's important too. The, the camaraderie is something that I think translates very well from the military to hockey. Um, you know, I grew up playing sports, but there's something about hockey that just is different. And, um, you know, one of the unique things about not just our team, but the other branches as well, is that it, we're not just from – I served in the Air Force personally, but it's not all just Air Force members. It's it's people from branches from all over. So, um, you know, it's it's the same thing. You know, in the military, you wear the same uniform. In hockey, you wear the same uniform to combine and to unite for a, uh, a common goal. So the, the similarities and the camaraderie, it's all there, and I'm just happy to be part of it, you know. It, it's, it is a fun – it's just – it's interesting, Greg. Like walking, even going to the bathroom, getting something to eat – just listening to some of the conversations sure. and you could tell like not everybody knows each other, but I heard a conversation. It was like, Hey man, you play really great today. Yeah. It's like the positivity too. So you're talking about like that team aspect, 100% having yeah. something to look forward to having something to play comp their compete level. Yeah. Uh, I just think, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's great. And I imagine we're going to get a great turnout here tonight. It's going to be great. And I understand the blues were, we're pumping it on their website too. So we're expecting a large turnout. So um, if anybody doesn't have a ticket and they want a ticket, um, feel free to, to buy a ticket at the door. We also have VIP tickets for all-inclusive drinks and, and food for $75 a piece. Excellent. Um, 
But yeah, it, going back, we played a, a team from Louisiana earlier today, and those guys couldn't have been the most. As far as hockey players, they were very, very cordial. And you're expecting, sure. you know, gritty guys. And <laughs> somebody apologized for accidentally hitting me. I'm like, you don't need to apologize for that. <laughs> we're we're kind of used to it. But uh, no, it's you're, you're absolutely right. Everybody's, you know, very, very nice. And uh, just having them here to be part of our tournament is is good for us and good for them. So. so, okay, so let's go back here a little bit. I played on the Warrior team in the Blues Fantasy Camp two years ago, as well as this past year. Yeah. One thing I know, okay, <laughs> one thing I know, you guys get after it. We do. You get after it. So when you get these tournaments and you say, oh, everybody's kind of cordial, define cordial because <laughs> I've seen you guys get out there and it's like. I, I should say we're cordial. We're off the ice. <laughs> yes. We, we, you know, we try to keep it professional and remember what we're here for on the ice. But you know how it is. As, as a player on any level, you want you want to win, right? You're, you're competitive for a reason. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're I've definitely let the best of my emotions get to me you know and i've said some things and five minutes later i'm like greg what are you doing you, know, you go out there and apologize. don't worry i go through it daily <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh yeah i i think you know when you're out there and you're skating around you want to win you want to compete you don't want to be dirty by any means but um certainly off the ice is when the the, the pleasantries come out and you try to be yeah. as cordial as possible so, so yeah. like yeah. just like hockey always is say, it's just yeah. like in the end you go out there you battle your best friend and then you have beers after sure. you yeah, it's the same thing here yep that's so awesome what, what position do you play um, so I play forward. So I, I've been playing left wing uh, this tournament. So okay. and yeah. you played today? I did. Any yeah. goals? Uh, uh, I scored one. Couple nice. of tucks. Yeah, yeah. boy. Yeah, my buddy over there, Neil. Yeah, he's on my line. Yeah. Now, did Neil pass you the puck? He or? did. He did several times. <laughs> he had some sweet deeks today, but unfortunately he didn't get any. But he'll get some this weekend. For well, sure. is, is yeah. Neil a bit of a puck hog? You could say he's he, not listening. He's a he's a Pavel Datsuk of our alliance. Oh, there we go. Wow, yeah. that's that's huge compliment. He's he's there. humble, but uh, yeah, no, he's good. So now, how many games have you guys played so far? So week? yeah, my team. I play on Charlie. We did uh, just had one, and yep. then we have two tomorrow, and then depending on how we do, we'll play again on Sunday. Awesome. And then yeah, how really many cool. how many different teams are here? Currently? Yeah, so we have twenty five different teams. Um, we were just actually talking about that trying to get the exact number so 25 different teams but under you know a fewer number of like cities are, are being yeah 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 so because like, like st louis would have four teams exactly. here yeah and so on yeah so on. yeah okay yeah so but from, from all over from las vegas to north carolina um even as far south as, as dallas so yep that's neat well it's going to be a great night uh the blues alumni versus the warrior all-star team Tonight, you, Greg, one more time in case anybody doesn't have a ticket to it, yeah. but they, they want to come down. They want to see uh, Jamie Rivers. They want to see the All-Stars. Yeah. What, what do you think? I don't know if they want to yeah. see me in particular, <laughs> Anthony. Yeah, hey, come, come Jamie, down to the front door. a superstar. That's <laughs> yeah. Jamie Rivers. I grew up watching you. My <laughs> come on now. Just being humble. But, uh, yeah, come on down to the front door. It's $10 per ticket. We do have some VIP. VIP tickets available for $75. It's kind of pricey, but you get all the drinks you want, all the food you want. Well, um, it's worth it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it's a great setup. Yeah. Time. It's only uh, the only time this whole year that we have a tournament like this. So come on down and support the Blues and the Blues Warriors. Excellent. Sensing, awesome, Sensing Community Ice Center. When, it, when does everything kind of kick off? Yeah, the game starts at 645, and I understand the doors open at 530. And uh, it's going to be taking place in the USA Arena, which is the main rink here. That's so. big boy. Excellent. Yep. Yeah. There you go. I love it. We set the over-under for Jamie Rivers' assist at two and a half. I like that. Two and a half. I'm a passer. Maybe we yeah. cover that. I'm a passer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> our our guy Marsh in the uh, studio said it like two and a half for goals. Goals. I'm like, I'm and not Marsh go was saying, bury the puck. Jamie's <laughs> gonna. I could see. I could see Jamie walking somebody. I, I would like see to see it. I'd fight. like to see it. No, no yeah. fight. I'm not fighting on, anybody. Guys. This is what all Peace and love. We're here for a good cause. <laughs> go after. Well, I, I would assume. 
Well, yeah, I shouldn't say that. You can probably go after one of our guys, right? So <laughs> Andrew Cato or uh, Josh Yeager is playing goalie, so you probably shouldn't run the goalie. So well, I have do done that, that before. <laughs> and, you know, um, plus, we got Reed Lowe, Cam Jansen, Barrett Jack. I got quite a bit of backup. Oh, I might yeah. just do something silly out Reed, there, Anthony. Reed was already drinking like hours ago, so yeah. you never know what, what type of Reed Lowe you're going to get. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, it's, uh, Greg, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on and, and not only talking about tonight's event, but all that you guys do. I mean, this is – uh, just a you know a tremendous project. And I didn't realize that you guys only started during the pandemic, so Correct. I can't imagine with even, yeah. even how much you guys have grown already. It's so incredible where you guys yep. are going to be. And you now know, is there a, is there a website? People who are listening right now like yeah. want to yeah. find out more about what you guys yeah, are doing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so it's uh, stlblueswarriors.com. You can just Google St. Louis Blues Warriors, and it'll take you directly to our website. Get information about the players from from Alpha through Delta, as well as some information on how to to join our organization. Awesome, yeah. excellent, Greg. Thank you so much for thank stopping, you guys. A stopping by. Uh, all right. We're going to uh, – I don't know what we're going to do. Jamie, your dealer's choice. What do you want to do? Do some more blues? Just talk. Sports next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Salter. We're live at Centene Community Ice Center as the Blues alumni will take on the Warrior All-Star team tonight. Uh, we are just talking to Greg from that, you know, Warrior uh, team. He's on the Charlie team. Yeah. He he was talking about, you know, look, there's plenty of tickets available, but if you if you don't get a ticket, they'll, they'll, they'll have an opportunity for you to, to, to get in. They'll, they'll find a way. So uh, if you're interested, come on down. It should be a great night. Jamie, we talked a lot about in the first hour the Blues lost last night to the Coyotes. And it's just, it's not just this loss. They've lost three straight. And I think, what now, five of their last six. It's, it's ugly. It seemed like last night, maybe it was just the. It's not ideal. That's for not. sure. And maybe because they played the Coyotes last night, everything just feels like it's coming to a head a little bit here. Well, I think that is part of it, too. Yeah. You know, you've played the Chicago Blackhawks, which are the bottom of your division. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres, which is a good hockey club. That's a good hockey team. And you weren't ready to go off the start, and that hurt you. It that killed was the you. Ma- that was the manner in which they lost. Correct. Yeah. And then they lose again um, last night to Arizona. And I think the Chicago-Arizona games really sting because those are teams you should not be losing to. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why it's been magnified today and last night, too, for that yeah. matter. And, and I don't blame Blues fans for being frustrated and for saying, look, we, you know, we're looking for a pound of flesh right now. Yeah. And that is often blaming one person or one group. In this case. Or getting rid of somebody. Yeah, or getting rid of somebody. You, you and I talked about this earlier. Getting rid of Craig Berube, if, that, if that's what you're screaming today, that ain't going to fix the problem. I just don't see it. So hear me out for a second, okay? We've already gone over earlier in the show as to why you shouldn't, you know, because who's next? Who's your, who's your pivot? I don't think there's a better pivot out there right now. But I believe this. I firmly believe this. And I don't know. Maybe the text line or our listeners don't agree or the Blues fans may not agree. Part of your identity is Craig Berube. Mm-hmm. Like this team, this city loves – leaders that they can relate to leaders that are blue collar people you know uh, you t- tony larusa said that 
sandpaper in them, right? People love Tony Russo, Whitey Herzog, all these people that were down-to-earth coaches and people, individuals. Joel Quenville, much the same. He was very successful here in St. Louis. For me, Craig Berube is part of what the culture is that you've established here. Because when Mike Yo was relieved of his duties, this team didn't really have an identity. And do you look back and say, oh, yeah, like, when I look at Mike Yo, I remember the kind of blues team he had. Like, no, you don't. Like, yeah. okay, unsuccessful, you could say that. But when you look at Craig Berube, you're like, that's my guy. Mm-hmm. Chiefs are our guy. Like, people are proud for the most part. And this is, I hear this from all, all sorts of different people. So it's not me pulling it out of my you-know-what right now. People are proud that Craig Berube represents this team in this city. He's not the guy to go. He's not the one that should fall on the sword with, with everything that's going on. No, the, this is, as we talked about before, I do think that big picture, it is, it is a bit it, – it's a roster construction issue. And when you look back at, you know, not re-signing Petro and everything that has kind of transpired in the off-seasons yeah. or trade deadlines since that point, it's just kind of got a common theme. But when it, it comes – It does. It does. It does. But hear, hear me out for a second. Sure. Sorry, go ahead. Finish your thought. Well, cause... I was just going to say, but all of that is moot. These are the players that you have. Yeah. And you can either say, okay, we're going to isolate the coach and we're just going to get one get we'll get rid of one guy because you can't get rid of the entire team. Dang, I fixed the problem, as you, you and I have illustrated. Well, the team doesn't change then. Exactly. Or, novel concept, guys take account uh, uh, responsibility. As Jordan Biddington said earlier, find find that character to play for each other mm-hmm. and turn this thing around whether you make the playoffs or not, whatever like th- that doesn't matter can you figure out right here and now this group of players can you come together so here you're not going to be able to flip the entire team when it comes to player acquisition or player movement if you're a blues fan and you think player x y or z should be traded or gone or whatever Okay, fine. So pick your player that you don't think is playing very well right now. Trade him. Great. Okay, did you fix your team, though? And if you didn't, how many players do you think you're going to be able to move or flip in order to fix your team? Mm -hmm. That's not the solution, ultimately. Now, making a move and acquiring a certain player can help your team, but it doesn't fix your team. So the best remedy for all of this is this team pulling their heads out of you-know-where and bonding together and playing hard. The systems are the systems. No system that a team plays is so different than their opponent. Right. It's not. It's a lot like football, too, on the defensive side of the ball. There's very specific systems. They might have a tweak here and there. It might mm-hmm. have a different verbiage for it, whatever you want to do. Yeah. But the concept stays the same. So it's not like we need to revamp all the systems. We need to get rid of all the players. Right. No, the, the current players that you have have to perform to the best of their ability with max effort. And that hasn't happened. And it, but it has happened at times through the season. And it happened not too long ago. The Nashville Predators game. Everybody was proud of their blues in that game. Boy, that was the best game they played all year. They were ready to go. 60 minutes of hockey. It was in your face. It was great. And that's what we should expect. We really should. That's what we should expect as a fan base every night. You're not going to get it every night, but you need to see that version of the St. Louis Blues more than what we've seen over the last three games. Yeah, That's the key right now is 
the players have to friggin' get this going. Or there's no miracle cure. No, there isn't. Or you have to isolate the guys that you know. It's Craig Ruby who joined us earlier, and you can listen to the podcast. You know, after after the show, if you missed that that interview, there's a couple of things that he kept coming back to: not enough emotion, emotionally not ready for games, not playing like a team. If he said it once, he said it three times about not playing like a team. Okay, well, Doug Armstrong, correct me if I'm wrong. Doug Armstrong has the has the roster, right? Uh huh. He controls the roster. Craig Berube has has the team. He sets the line combinations. He's the here. You're the chef. Here's your ingredients. If you got a couple of bad ingredients, it's time to find it, find which ones are the, are, are the bad ingredients and, and get them out. Yeah. Now's now's the time. You do that, and look. The text line is like, okay, so you got to sit the guys. You know what? Yes, fine, sit them. They Craig Berube, they have, and Craig Berube earlier today. Again, if you missed that interview go back download the podcast all that brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto but Craig Ruby says yeah we'll sit them we'll take away ice time he will but then what right so ultimately the player has to respond to the city yeah because you players I, I've been in a boat before not me personally because when I got sad I got pissed I, I knew I wanted to do something better mm-hmm. but I've seen players get sat and be like screw you then I don't care. Yeah. I'm getting paid anyways. Right. Fine. Okay. Sit him again. But then what? Like at the end of the day, the answer to this riddle is the players giving their max effort. That's it. That's the answer to everything. For their team. For their team. For the common goal of yes. actually winning a game. Yes. So if we want to put a bow on the blues talk for the day as we head into the weekend, the team, the players are the only ones that can fix this and they're the ones that have to do it. That's Jamie Rivers. He's going to be playing tonight in the alumni game versus the Warrior All-Star team. Head down to the Centene Community Ice Center. We're broadcasting right now. In fact, Jamie, you got to go get stretched out. you got a game in uh, about an hour and 15 or so. About an hour and 15. Get yeah. a little limber in there and uh, stretch out. You go get them tonight, okay? You yeah, leave it all go. on the ice. We're going to go uh, talk systems. You should. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They guys want to talk systems you for sure. Lead low, for as sure. low as he's crushing a whiskey. <laughs> Have fun tonight, Jamie. Thanks a lot, buddy. All right, we we have our championship predictions coming up next. We'll also do fade or follow. We've got, uh, thir- I think, a third straight week, right, Marsh? Yeah, we're bringing Ken back. Ken Ken chose right the last two weeks. I think we were on the Bengals last week. That wound up being an easy one. So Ken will be back to try to win FanDuel's money in about 15 minutes. But coming up next, our championship predictions. Not only predictions for each game, but how about a best bet for each game? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. I'm Anthony Stalter. Jamie Rivers is uh, heading into the locker room right now. I, wa- I see him walking into the Blues alumni locker room. We're down here at Centene Community Ice Center. We're broadcasting live as the Blues alumni will take on the Warrior All-Star team. It's been a fun day. Uh, a lot of foot traffic, a lot of, a lot of uh, excitement in the hallways here as they're having their tournament. Uh, it's a great event. So if you have tickets and you're coming on down, you know, have fun tonight want to come down and see what it's all about great I think you can still get tickets available so marsh back in the studios grant is here as well guys why don't we do some predictions for championship sunday we'll put it uh we'll put it all on the line here we'll, oh. we'll, first, 
The spreads are so close anyways. Let's just do predictions for the game first. And then if you guys have a best bet that is not a straight-up pick, love to hear that as well. So, Marsh, why don't you kick off your prediction for the NFC Championship game? I'm going with the Eagles. I'm rolling with the Eagles. They've been my team. Jalen Hurts, my guy. The only reason I say that is because he won me a fantasy football championship. So I'm rolling with Jalen Hurts and the Eagles. Uh, They've been the number one team in the NFC all season long. Every time I feel like we throw some some shade towards them, like Jamie has been all day, uh, they end up proving us (laughs) wrong. So I'm going with the Eagles, and I think Darius Slay is going to have a big game uh, in the secondary when Brock Purdy actually does throw the ball and he does not hand it off to CMC. Grant, NFC Championship game? I've been going back and forth on this one all day. Part of me really thinks San Francisco is going to lock it down defensively, but part of me, too, doesn't trust Brock Purdy yet. And I think the Eagles' defense, they led the league in sacks this year. It's 70 sacks this year, so I think they're going to get back there and really cause some havoc. I think I like the Niners this in this one straight up. That's who I'm going to go with there. Nick Bosa, by the way. He's set on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Three and a half player tackles plus assists, plus 112 to go over. I like that. You like that one? Okay. If, so I, was, if I was taking any any prop bets, that's the one I would take. All right, fair enough. So, Anthony, are we taking prop bets from from each game? Because I'm well, so in on that. Let, well, yeah, we'll do, like I said, we'll do, we'll do a prediction first. And then, you know, maybe Grant, that's Grant. That winds up being Grant's best bet for the NFC Championship game. We'll do a best bet, too, but let's just do the predictions first. So, Marsh, you have the Eagles. Grant, you said you had the Niners. Yep. You know, I, 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 almost, I almost came close to flopping to the Eagles, but I've been such a huge proponent of Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers that I'm just going to see this one through. I think the, the the challenge for the 49ers, and I mentioned this to, to Jamie in another segment, they have got to get the lead. They have got to they, – they this has got to be a Christian McCaffrey and even a Christian McCaffrey slash Elijah Mitchell game where – it's a it's that outside zone run that Kyle Shanahan likes to like to likes to utilize, and then it opens up the play action for guys like George Kittle and maybe even Brandon Ayuk. Although the corners for the Eagles are outstanding, so I don't know how much Brandon Ayuk and Juwan Jennings, some of these outside receivers, are gonna are gonna do for the the 49ers. But I do think if the 49ers can run the ball and live in the middle of the field, they will have success. If they if they fall behind and it winds up being a drop back passing game for Brock Purdy. This is where the 49ers offensive line, I think, is at their worst. You know, Christian McCaffrey's an excellent running back that, you know, obviously a receiver as well. But you're going to have issues coming back if if you're the if you're the 49ers. So if they fall behind, I do not see a comeback happening. If if they can build the lead, which I believe they can, they think they're going to be fine. The Eagles are going to make their big plays, but they're going to be one-dimensional. And I think that 49ers pass rush is eventually going to get Jalen Hurts. Have some big moments, maybe the A.J. Brown and Vontae Smith early, but then things might go sideways. So I have the 49ers in a small upset as well. Marsh, AFC Championship game. Ugh. Well, I've been, I've been all for Joe Burrow here, but like I said in previous shows, I've had the Chiefs in the Super Bowl playing the Eagles. So, as a fan, I will be rooting for Joe Burrow and the Bengals. However, if you're Eli Apple, you don't get away with taunting people on Twitter 
<laughs> and think you're going to win the game. That's so fair. I have the Chiefs winning because Eli Apple did the same exact thing last year when he was taunting the Chiefs on Twitter, and they ended up losing the Super Bowl, right? I believe in karma, Anthony. I don't think the Bengals are going to win. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think Pat Mahomes is going to have a good game. I think it's going to be a great game, actually. However, I will be rooting for Joe Burrow. All right, great. Does that make any sense, Anthony? It does. I'm in a it, tough it spot right now. Uh, no, I mean, I, look, you're, I, I kind of get it. You, you, think, you think at this point, you know, like the Red, the, the Red Sox. The Red Sox, we certainly were not in St. Louis, and I wasn't even I – was, I wasn't living here yet, but – I was I was rooting against the Red Sox in 04. I found them annoying, and I thought the Cardinals were going to go through them like a buzzsaw. Uh, obviously, I was wrong. But it, the nation was like, oh, well, we're going to hop on. You're the underdog. By the time that the Red Sox made the 07 World Series and they became like a nation, everybody hated them. Like, you can only be the underdog for so long. I think the Bengals probably still have a little bit more runway with the underdog, you know, game. Uh, but Marsh... I understand the angle that you're playing here, mm-hmm. and with everybody now hopping on Joe Burrow in Cincinnati, I could see I could see the pendulum swinging a little bit. Grant, where are you at in the AFC title game? Oh, I'm sticking with the Bengals. I, I've sort of been riding with them throughout the playoffs this season. I, I even thought last week I didn't think it was going to be as convincing as it was, but I was with the Bengals last week. I kind of have the same feeling going into this one as I did last week for the Bengals. I just I like Joe Burrow. I like his attitude going into these games, and I feel like they bring to every playoff game the same thing. Like they are the same team every single playoff game. Yeah, they're consistent. And I just I I believe in the Bengals' offense a little bit more right now against that Kansas City defense more than I do a Mahomes question mark injury against the Bengals' defense right now. I think that's fair. That's a good point about them being consistent. You know exactly what you're going to get out of yeah. Cincinnati. I've said this the last couple of days. I, I don't know how Patrick Mahomes is going to be effective. He had a high ankle sprain. Now, maybe the reports are, are accurate and he's going to be fine and he's going to go out there and he's going to be he's going to be Patrick Mahomes. But Jamie Rivers has experienced this injury, now, granted from a hockey standpoint, but for, when he was talking yesterday about how as the game wears on, it could it could get problematic for Patrick Mahomes to, 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 to stay healthy on that ankle. Kansas City defensively can be had. You know, I think Joe Burrow could have a big game through the air. I, I see Cincinnati winning this one. I hope the game is, is close, and it, it probably will be, but I just can't get past Mahomes playing on a high ankle sprain and being effective. Well, and here's my thing, too, with this type of injury. If Patrick Mahomes' style was like Tom Brady, and he sat back in the pocket and just – through pass after pass that's not Patrick Mahomes he's at his best when he's rushing to the outside and and making these crazy plays and I think that's going to be majorly impacted on Sunday I think I think you can wipe out if he's not right I think you can wipe out the deep game for for Kansas City that and that's huge for Cincinnati because you know what you're going to do all right Marsh what's your best bet for the NFC championship game oh I've been looking at this and uh the one thing I keep coming back to is the Eagles their dominant play in the first half, Anthony. Uh, the Eagles are minus 148 to be the first half winner. So I like that. But I like the San Francisco 49ers in the second half. In the second half winner, the value on that, plus 106. That does not mean that, that you know San Francisco will win the game. It just means they'll have mo- more points in the second half. Is that correct, Anthony? 
Yes. So I'm going with yeah, the they don't 49ers. Have to win. Yes, they don't have to win the game. You just isolate the third and the fourth quarter if you're playing the second half. I'm going 49ers second half winner at plus 106. Wow, you're already, you're already projecting for that. That's interesting. All right, I like that. That's that's Marsh's best bet in the NFC Championship game. Marsh? Or uh, Grant? I'm sorry. So I was looking at Jalen Hurts rushing uh, yards for this Sunday. It's set right now the over-under 46 and a half. So his last two games... He is sitting at 34 yards and 13 yards. Now, one of those was against the Giants in that Week 18 matchup. But the last game in that offensive explosion for the Eagles, 34 yards rushing. They're going up against a uh, much more daunting defense in the 49ers. So I'm taking the under there, the under 46 and a half rushing yards for Jalen Hurts. Interesting. Okay. I, I don't think I think the 49ers are going to do a great job bottling up the running game. If it's off script for Jalen Hurts and he escapes, I could see that. But for what you're saying, uh, in terms of the rushing yards and things like that, I think I think there's going to be more opportunities in the passing game, which is why I'm going A.J. Brown over 70 and a half uh, receiving yards. Quiet game last week. We heard him earlier this week. You know, he's, he wants the ball. Of course he does. I think A.J. Brown could have a big day against the San Francisco secondary. Again, I think the 49ers win this one. But if the Eagles, you know, if they get in a chase mode, I think A.J. Brown could have a big a big game. He has caught he – he has gone over 74 receiving yards. The number 70 and a half. He's gone over 74 receiving yards in four of his last five games. He's averaged nearly 100 receiving yards in that, in that time frame. The only time he didn't do it, last week, of course. He got bottled up. Marsh, best bet for the AFC title game. Yeah, I was looking at maybe T. Higgins getting in the end zone. I like that at plus 165. But with Pat Mahomes being on one leg, I feel like they're going to throw a lot of screen passes. They're going to need their speed guys to make some plays. And that's why I got Kadarius Toney plus 240 anytime touchdown scorer. I like that one. I think I think they're going to get him involved heavily. I could see jet sweeps. I could see end arounds. I could see screens. I could see him lining up in the backfield like Debo Samuel or Cordell Patterson and them using him in a variety of ways, especially if Patrick Mahomes is banged up. So I like that one, Marsh. What do you got, Grant? Marsh, I was on your line of thinking a little bit. I was thinking back to the Super Bowl last year when T. Higgins exploded for those two touchdowns against the Rams. I just, I think in games like these for the Chiefs, you know, you, you, you zoom in so, so far on Jamar Chase that you sort of lose sight of T. Higgins. I kind of like him to score two-plus touchdowns. Again, thinking back to that Super Bowl where he had two touchdowns last season, that's a plus 950 for Sunday. So going a little bit off the board and, and taking one that uh, you look at value overall, I kind of like that one, two-plus for uh, T. Higgins. Nice. Okay. I, I, got, I got Isaiah Pacheco going over 47.5 rushing yards. I thought that we saw a shift last week in Pacheco being the guy. Jerick McKinnon, his, since Tony was at, like active consistently for this Kansas City offense, You've seen McKinnon, who's scoring like every week. His numbers have kind of gone down. Pacheco is the RB1 in Kansas City. I think that's clear. And they're going to need him. If Mahomes is banged up, you're going you're gonna to need to establish the run at some point. He's gone over 48 yards with numbers 47 and a half. He's gone over that, that number in all six of his last six games. Uh, I'm sorry, nine of his last 10, 10 games. He's averaging 72.8 yards per game over that over his last 10 games so he's he's clearing that number easily now the only thing that hurts me is if Cincinnati gets if if, if uh, Kansas City gets in a negative game script where they've got to throw the ball more but I think Andy Reid's gonna have to stick with that running game here's an interesting one too when talking about Pacheco so for receiving yards he set it six and a half so really low 
He'll go over that. I, that's what I was thinking because with the injury to Mahomes, if he's checking down a lot, exactly. If he's getting rushed and he's getting uncomfortable, you right. check down to your running backs, and that, I, I'm with your line of thinking over six and a half for Pacheco. And a lot of times McKinnon is in there on the third as at the third down back, but if they throw on early downs, that's where Pacheco comes in with the passing. So I'm with you, Graham. All right, we've got Fader follow coming up next. Ken, our guy Ken, right, Marsh. Yes, Ken, Ken, back for the third time. Ken's going to join us again. He, we had the Bengals for him last week. I think we had Trevor Lawrence over passing yards in that wild card game. So mm-hmm. he's won the last two weeks. So he's got $100 right now of FanDuel's money. Uh, try to win another $50 and come back next week. Ken and Fader follow. We'll wrap up the show live from Sensing Community Ice Center next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for FanDuel Fade or Follow on the Fast Lane. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Everyone follow us. I'll fade, I'll fade. Money, 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 money. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. I'm Andrew Marsh, and believe it or not, Anthony Stalter and Grant Francis, they're at the Centene Community Ice Center, and, well, the uh, the fire alarm went off, and they had to leave. So I am bringing Ken on. It's just me and Ken. We're going to do this fade or follow. We're going to try and win $50 more for Ken. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Ken, how are you doing today? You ready to win some more money? I'm doing great. Yes, sir, I am. Awesome. So in that last segment, we were talking about some of our best bets and the Isaiah Pacheco over 48 and a half rushing yards. That's what we're going with today, Ken. Do you like that move? You're going to you're going to fade or follow it? We got to go 3 for 3, right? That's Let's what follow. I'm thinking too. Let's do it. Let's follow. All right. Following 48 and a half rushing yards Isaiah Pacheco. Now, Ken, are you a Chiefs fan? I'm a good game fan. I like a I good like close that. good close game. You know what? I like that, Ken. I think we're on the same page. You don't, you don't want these blowouts, right? No, I like I want to see it come down to the last play. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, hopefully uh, we get a good game, and hopefully we get 48 and a half over yards, of course. Maybe 49. We'll stick with 49 from Isaiah Pacheco in the Chiefs-Bengals game. Ken, we'll talk to you next week, hopefully, right? Yes, sir. All Looking right. forward to it. Perfect. That's Ken looking to win $50 from FanDuel. He's already at 100 right now. Today, we talked with Craig Berube, Blues head coach. If you missed that interview, you can go to 101ESPN.com. You can check out the podcast page. Everything's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And we talked with former Blues forward Reed Lowe. That was a great interview with Jamie and Anthony. And then, of course, we also talked with the Warrior All-Star Greg Burian uh, and what it's like to play against this Blues alumni. We'll see if Jamie can hit the two and a half over for his assist tonight in the Blues alumni game, taking on the Warrior All-Stars. Join us this Sunday as we are at the Champ Bash. We'll have the pregame show starting at 11 at Helen Fitzgerald's. Can't wait to see all of you. We appreciate everyone tuning in this entire week as we talk some Blues hockey, some Cardinals baseball, and, of course, 
some NFL football as well. Let's get to some of your criticisms and compliments. We'll start with the 636. While Jamie not willing to stand up for his teammates, someone's not following the three E's. Jamie uh, talking about the three E's effort, uh, emotion, and execution when it came to your St. Louis Blues. The Blues will take on the Colorado Avalanche tomorrow. Pre-game for that starts at 1 o'clock. An early start. We'll see if the Blues can snap that three-game losing streak. They've actually given up 15 goals in the last three games. So uh, not, not good for the Blues, but hopefully they can bounce back this weekend against Colorado. Here's another one from the 636. Have a great weekend, gents. Thanks for being awesome. That is from Lisa. And then from the 636, excited to hang out with you guys on Sunday at Helen Fitzgerald's. If you've never been to Helen Fitzgerald's, it's an awesome place. We can't uh, can't wait to see you guys there. It's going to be great. A fun day full of football and uh, hopefully some drinks as well. It should be a fun one. So everyone have a great weekend. If we do not see you Sunday, enjoy the games this weekend. That's Blues. That's the NFC Championship. That's the AFC Championship. Once again, if you missed anything from today's show, be sure to go to 101ESPN.com. Check out that podcast page, and we will see you guys next week. We have Jamie and BT. They're getting together on Monday. Anthony's out of town. But for now, we will see you. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.